What's the thing that scares you the most? Confined spaces and uh, blood particles in the air, the dark, that coral thing that's been staring at me since I came in here. Chris, I'm scared to death. Welcome to the Sum of All Fear podcast, the show that examines real-life phobias and the horror movies that prey on them. So pour yourself something strong, Feardos, and let's find out what makes you afraid. Our woodpecker friend is back. Oh. Look oh, up. he is. It looks like snow white outside. <laughs> kind of does. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like snow in the backyard and a beautiful red-headed woodpecker on our tree. Yeah. So the next thing, Snow White and her dwarves are going to come out and, they'll be, and sing some songs. Sing some songs and and, and surround her with furry wood, wooded animals. Yeah, wood, exactly. Woodland, woodland animals. I'm seeing the scene. <laughs> That's uh, that kind of goes with our theme today. These the woodland, that woodland uh, nature influence. Yeah. Or, or the uh, the godly presence of nature. Yeah. It's big time. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. What's up, beardos? How's everybody doing? Welcome back. We're good. We're we are good. Nothing. We have, nothing's collapsed this week. Hell yeah. I don't. No cars have broken down. No. No. The, no nothing has. No pipes have exploded. No. no. Nothing. No. We had some snow this week. Well, now that you said that, it's cold. I need to find some wood to knock on because I don't knock I think on wood. This is, um, this is IKEA. Yeah, we had. Wood. It's not wood. You're no. right. It's plastic, of some kind. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to apologize for the audio last episode man that was shit hey it wasn't just you it was us it was it was us it was us yeah. i'm sure you're all checking it's not your, you it's me you're checking your headphones and it was me though your car it was stereos. me that sounded terrible and well it was funny was we we had started to to adjust it because i sounded really distant you sounded so we were messing with it and we adjusted we finally got it all dialed we in we adjusted it so much yeah we worked on it for fucking ever and Got it dialed in, and then all of a sudden, and then when we actually recorded, it sounded terrible. So I know. it was really a bummer. So thanks so, to Dave for letting us know, yeah, giving us a heads up. Oh, like, I already hey. knew. Are you kidding me? I listened to it like I listened to it a bunch afterwards. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was I, so pissed. That's like the one I was so I angry. I didn't listen to everything. Has just been so crazy at work. I just uh, I was so angry. So angry. I hate it when I hate it when that, uh, when that happens. So this has been. We have sh- we have shitty equipment. All right, and we're trying to do the best we can with, with what point. we have, and you know I think. Most of the time, it's it turns out pretty good, but we've we uh, we you definitely really hard to make sure it does, and I don't know what happened last time. It was bad. So, anyways, we like apologize. Changed. Yeah, we apologize, but I think we got it better this week. We definitely spent a good amount of time on it this morning. A frustrating amount of time on it. Yeah, um, I think you're gonna throw the mics if it doesn't work. <laughs> it will definitely be time to. Uh, I want to give you some anger management consulting. I did. So I looked at some tutorials. I figured out some things that we were doing Aww. wrong. So hopefully. Uh, anyways, but, uh, yeah, we're back where the, uh, where the podcast talks about real life phobias from a mental health perspective and pairs those fears with horror movies that prey on them. Um, uh, my name is drew and I'm a history and horror nerd. And this is my, uh, be speckled, be speckled, uh, spectacled, be spectacled wife. I am be speckled though too. I do have freckles. Oh yeah. Freckles too. So I'm, be speckled and spectacled. Okay. Not be spectacle, just spectacle. <laughs> She's wearing glasses. She looks like a, she looks like a librarian mm, hey. of some kind, some sort of hot librarian. These are my blue light blocking glasses. Cause I'm old and don't <laughs> want wrinkles. She's, and she's a uh, mental health therapist, a yeah. clinical, what's your technical uh, clinical? I'm a licensed clinical professional licensed. counselor or a licensed mental health 
counselor in Washington. I'm licensed in two states. Ooh, and each state kind states. of has their own version of licensure, but I'm a I'm a professional counselor. That was way more information than I was looking for. But I was just looking for like a title. Ask me every episode and it's really <laughs> convoluted because it's kind of different everywhere. There's not like this uniform thing across all. Whatever. Whatever. But I just, I studied a lot of brain things and I like people. She's a brain ninja. And I like movies and kind of trying to interpret what's going on with them. I like the term brain ninja brain the ninja. best. I think Hi-ya. that's, I think that's what you guys should just all call your, yourself in your field. I prefer to be like brain Tai Chi, like very subtle. Oh, more subtle, very more subtle. quiet. Yeah. Or, or standing on the you beach. Don't know that or some, standing on a log on the yeah. beach yes. with oh, one foot up in the air. Damn, if I could describe my counseling style, it would be <laughs> Tai Chi counseling. Oh, man. So I hope the first few weeks of uh, New Year's have been treating everybody well. We've been uh, we've been pretty low-key. We haven't had too much. I've been out, I was out of town in San Francisco for a week. Yeah. Um, which when was, you're out of town, I just work and run everything here like a well-oiled machine. That's right. You, got the, you, you take care <laughs> of business, baby. TCB. TCB. Just like you do when I'm out of town. Uh, no, it's great. And, I, and honestly, this trip to San Francisco was good. I had a fun one. We, I actually enjoyed uh, the trip because I was dealing with all the stress last year and the job switches and all that stuff. Like there, my stomach was a mess. My stress levels were crazy. And I think Even though in the I'm moment, finally getting like, back I'm to normal. Yeah. I'm a guy. I push it all down. I know, but you don't have to do that. Sure you do. No. Yeah. You push it down. Wait until it somewhere. comes out your butt or, or your, or, <laughs> or, or your mouth or whatever, or in anger, you know, <laughs> physical abuse. <laughs> you know. I smack you around a bit. Is that me? <laughs> I like that. Ooh. Wait, what? Wait, what'd you say? Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> what are you? Was this the past time that you went to, um, that you went to San Francisco? Did you get escorted to a deli by, a streetwalker? Oh yes, I did. I did get escorted. Was that the to, it was. I did. I I got. Uh, I was walking down the street. I just had some drinks, and my buddies were still at the bar. And I was like, "Dude, I gotta get some food. I'm hungry." And I hit one of those walls. A street entrepreneur. Where I had been. Me. Where I had been. You know, I was. I was. I was hungry, and I was like, "I'm out of here, guys. I'm gonna go get some food, and I'm going back to my hotel room." So I walked down the street. Where it's in Union Square. We know San Francisco, and uh, where my hotel is, I was actually the at Drake. the Drake. I was staying at the Drake, which is a really, really nice hotel, but we get a, we get a nice discount there. So it's cool. Um, but, a, but there is a ton of hookers on that street, like so many. Uh, and, and I walked up to a bouncer like across the street and I was like, Hey, the place that's supposed to be like, I heard was 24 hours or open is closed. So where can I get food? And, uh, Ashrika, Ashria, Ashrika, Ashrika, something like that. It was a pretty name. Uh, was standing there talking to him, and she said, "Do you remember what she was wearing?" She said, "Uh, uh, it's, uh some sort of very micro-y skirt." And and uh, anyways, she said she would escort me down to the deli a few blocks away because she was heading there herself. And I said, "Cool, man, let's go." And we talked on the way down there. She was very pleasant. She was very nice. She didn't even proposition me. She just said, "She just said, you know what I do?" She said, "I just like to talk to people, and I just enjoy people's company. And you know, if they want some more, that's up to them." Well, that in and of itself is kind of like laying out the law. You know, if you want some more, I'm here. If not, I'm here. That was great. You know? It was great. So it was, it was, it was, what a great so, entrepreneur. She was. She was very sweet. Um, so yeah, I went down and got some, got some late some night, bre- some late night breakfast and went to bed. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. We actually, we found, I found some cool, like it was the first time I kind of felt like, oh, I've kind of, I'm starting to actually 
get a sense of San Francisco a little bit and see right. kind of the cool bars. I mean, it was a place called the Kung Fu Theater in Laundromat. The place looks so cool. That was just, it was just rad. It with was decorated the, with in all this Bruce Lee stuff. That's coming out of the Had this, ceiling. Yeah, this like, like animatronic dragon. And it was just this really, really cool. It, and that was in the, the Tenderloin too. So that's kind of, Tenderloin's a pretty, pretty interesting area of San Francisco to say the least. I think the neighborhoods in uh, San Francisco, the names of the neighborhoods are really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty the cool. The Tenderloin, you know. Yep. So then, yeah, that's about all. I mean, I've got, um, I'm going to San Diego next week. Oh yeah. You're going to have a golf tournament. And oh, yeah, I'm playing golf schmooze. for the first time in like five years. So I was hitting balls the other day cause I haven't picked up a club in a while. So we got to oh, go, got to go great. schmooze. I'm going to a conference, a medical instrumentation conference. Oh, very it's the only kind of instrumentation I like. Wait, what? I'm, I'm so confused. I, don't know, I know. I know. <laughs> it was intentional. Which philia is that? It was mind manipulation. That's what it was. <laughs> you one of those speculum fetishes? Oh, no. Have you ever had a speculum? <laughs> have you ever seen one in life? I have seen one, yes. Because imagine that up inside your body. Don't shame people. I, there are people shaming. who have this, a speculum fetish. They may, and that is good on them. But like, I just can't. No, I can't. I can't. It's like, I, I don't know. I can't. Do, I can't do it personally. Um, those things are intimidating to look at to me, but good yeah. on they you. Look, they don't look very comfortable to me. I, I don't think I'd like to have no. one. No. Uh, speaking of cults, we're doing fear of cults. Um, but speaking of cults, we are going to Disneyland in a few weeks too. <gasps> Is there a cult of Disney? I'm, I'm sure. sure there's a Disney yeah, cult. There's a I Disney mean, cult. Some just Disney fans in general are are very it's pretty interesting, very right? cult like. Yeah. So we're doing that with the kids here coming up soon too. Uh, so we have fun things coming up. What On you think? The horizon. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, but we are diving in, guys, into some new territory uh, for this podcast. I feel like I almost feel like this is the kickoff to the new season because we kind of did the the first episode of season two was like before Christmas. And then we did this like top 10 list thing last episode, but I feel like this is like kicking off the year. Um, and we are diving into the fear of cults, which is going to be at least a three part series. Um, we possibly, we possibly even a four part series. Cause there there's, yeah, there's just, there's so we many you like this. There's so many movies and there's so many, so much, um, so many different ways that we could go with, with, uh, categorizing these kind of cult movies. Just in the U.S. alone, there's ten different like identifiable like categories, factions, or categories. Yeah, categories of cults. So yeah. you know, just with that, that's ten episodes right there. And and we want to preface it too, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But, but you know, fear of cults is not a phobia that like is a very defined one. Like like right. you, when you look up fear of cults, it doesn't be. It's not like you know cultophobia, which is what we're going to call it. <laughs> Just because that seems like the most cultophobia. That's what we're going to call it. Um, but we're, we're addressing it on this show and we're talking about it because it, it's such, it's such a major theme in horror movies. And it is such a major like thread of different phobias that kind of f- f- uh, weave in and out of it and different types of fears. And there's such a huge psychological component to cults and, being engaged in a cult, being recruited, uh, continuing in a cult, despite kind of having second thoughts. There's, there's so much psychology, so much that, psychology um, that like I have 10 episodes worth to unpack with just that. Yeah. So. There's a lot, there's a lot. So I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed the, this and I hope you enjoy this kind of series thing. We did the two part on clowns. It went well. Um, but cults I think is so, there's so much shit 
like to unpack. Um, and we will do the best that we can. Um, I kind of have a background in, in some of that stuff. So I've, 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 I've always been really interested in it. Um, uh, I was not a member of a cult, um, that I know of, uh, but, uh, but I did study cults and I worked for an organization that, that did a lot of cult research and stuff, which was really fun. Um, so before we get into all that stuff though, um, we have a great community that's been building up and we would love to see it grow even more. So, uh, Check us out on your social media platforms, guys. Facebook, uh, Some of All Fear podcast on Facebook, Some of All Fear pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and we also have a Patreon if you're into that sort of thing. Um, what else? Please go to your podcast apps if you like us, um, please. And leave us a rating and review. It really helps, really helps grease up those algorithms. If you know what I'm saying? Grease up those algorithms. It helps us grease up those algorithms, baby. Grease up those Come algorithms. Come on. Come on. Go Make leave us nice and luby. Leave us a rating and review and grease up those algorithms, so baby. Come on. Oily. Come on. Get it all nice and slick and lubed up. So greasy. <laughs> uh anything else? No. Before we uh before we transition into our 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 trivia game. What the fear? What the fear? What the fear? All right. It's time. Da-da-da. For the world's greatest phobia-based trivia game. What the fear? You say it now. What the fear? There you go. Okay, you have to say it like that. Much happy. What the fear? I said. I said trivia. I said a phobia-based trivia game, not horror-based trivia game. But we are doing our. We're still doing our uh, our horror trivia, which uh, I have failed at miserably many many times. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you enjoy that, don't you? I kind of enjoy. You it. really like it when I fail. Why is that? I have that? a little shot. In that does not seem like a good foundation for a marriage. <laughs> oh man, I love it when he fails at horror trivia. <laughs> I'm good at horror trivia. You're good at horror horror trivia, trivia. just not horror. Are you ready? Already? Yeah. Man, there's no more, there's like no, no no more small talk. No, there is no, there is no lubricant to this. We're going right in. You're going to grease up them. You're going to grease it all. You're raw dog. You're raw dogging it. Here we go. (laughs) Green international. Is that international again? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you stop rolling green? I didn't do it. The last time we played, we got like three in a row. I, I think know. it was all international. Yeah. Okay. How about this? After we do a category, that category can no longer be, this is really doing three questions. <laughs> if that's the crutch that Let's you need. Let's do that. That's a crutch okay I need. I'm making that. up new rules. Okay. And I also get one skip. Remember rule. Oh, you do. Do you want to phone a friend as well? Yes. We could make this really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. In Audition, 1999... I have not seen it. After paralyzing Aoyama, what method involving needles does Asami use to torture him? What method involving needles? Does Asami use to torture him? There's a scene with a piano wire. I've never seen it. It's I literally almost watched it yesterday. Oh, it's on weird. Shutter right now, and I hadn't seen it. It's on my list of, of those movies that I need to, to see. It's... Uh, Oh, it makes a lot of, of people's like top list, but it gives you so, a huge okay, hint I know I'm, 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 uh, I'm pretty sure that it's gotta be, um, um, I gotta think of the word, the term for if it. If you can see my face right now, um, I want it so bad for him. He there even is know. acupuncture. Yes. <laughs> Good job. It took me a second to think of the word. 
That's sweet. A See? There's a really, really gnarly scene with piano wire in that movie uh, that I keep hearing a lot about. I, don't like, I gotta watch that movie. It's uh, supposed awful. to be super gnarly. That just makes super, me think super of gory. the scene in Hereditary with the piano wire. Like, I don't like that. I don't... Ugh. Why? Oh, that's right. She Is that she piano wire? Is that off, piano wire? I, it's some kind of wire. Went that's up. something. I don't know. Yeah, okay. piano. Are you ready for the second one? Um, yeah, let's do it. Hey, we didn't get Orange green. Paranormal. Ooh. Ooh. Let's see what we got here. Tell me about the great beyond. Uh, okay. The vengeful spirit in the woman in black 2012 threatens what segment of the townspeople? What segment of, of the, townspeople. the townspeople in woman and in, in woman in black? I have seen that, but man, it's been a while. That was one with Daniel Radcliffe, right? I believe so. I think with, I watched Harry that with Potter. you. Yeah. Which I'm sure he hates that. What segment? He was in. Did you did you watch that that uh, Samara Weaving? I didn't Weaving watch that clip. No I'm clip sorry. that I sent you. Uh-uh. So Samara Weaving and Daniel Radcliffe are in this new movie that where like there's like some sort of sort of weird online game where they pit two people against each other and make them fight to the death. Whoa. Um, and and it looks pretty it looks pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, and I love Samara Weaving right now. Like she's like my favorite. You're person. detracting hugely. I am absolutely buying time <laughs> at the moment. Uh, what segment of the population? Yeah. Does this? Let's go to my skip. I'm just gonna skip this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I know it. Is, was it the church people? Was it the religious? Children. The children. Um, okay. Let's try this again. What a bitch. Oh, you got green again. Now flip it over. There we Pink. go. Psychological. Ooh, that fits right in. Who was the screenwriter of Magic 1978? Mm, screenwriter? Mm-hmm. That starred Dennis Hopper. It's a screenwriter. The screenwriter for magic. Let's say I'm going to go with Spielberg. No. For some but, reason uh, that's stuck in my possi- head. I don't know possibly, why. Possibly. Um, Toby Hooper. No. William Goldberg. Mm. Not familiar. Name sounds familiar. Oh. I, I picked the wrong one to skip. Yep. You did. Although I didn't get that one right either. It's all right. So you got one more. Failure. You got one more. I don't know why Spielberg stuck in my head, but You're there was 50, some, 50 I felt right like he now. did some things like before he got famous. That were he probably like did, but not that cool shit. <laughs> All right. Blue gore slash disturbing. In the loved ones, 2009, who does Lola stone inject with a household cleaner filled syringe? Ooh, I've never seen that movie. I have Damn. no idea. The loved ones. I've never seen that. Put movie. that on your list. That sounds gnar. That, that doesn't sound cool at all, uh. but no, I have no idea. Can you pick another, pick another one with that category? Just so we can get a, <laughs> just so we can have, have one that, that we can guess at. Cause I've never seen that movie in the cabin in the woods. How often must the ritual sacrifice be performed to appease the evil gods? Once a year? Yeah. yeah. Good job. Yeah, that's what I thought. The other one was Brent Mitchell. So make sure to watch The Loved Ones. See, that's too. the problem with this horror trivia is that if you haven't seen the movie, you literally, like, you're just like, I don't know. Well, isn't no that, idea. like, in Jeopardy? Like, Audition? Study- Audition, I've never seen it and I got that one because they led, they kind of led you in the question a little I bit. I know, but. but, like, Jeopardy, you know, you either know it or you don't. It's kind of like that. Like, either you know it or you so don't. So what are you saying? I need to watch more horror movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many deal. did you watch in 2018? That's a deal. I feel oh, like in 2019, you not really nearly as many last year. Slacked off. All right, well, that's our horror. But we watched so many this week. We watched a, a lot of good 
a lot of good pagan cult horror films this week. I'm pagan out. Yeah, we are. So we, we have decided with this, this, uh, fear of cults thing that we're going to do. We're going to do basically categories, right? We're going to go. So this week we're going to start with pagan cults and talk about pagan cult films, you know, horror, uh, folk, folk cult, pagan cult, whatever you want to call it. Um, horror films. Cause there are a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of fun, uh, watching these Mm-mm. and I love this genre and I love the, the cult genre in, in, in horror as well. Um, just in general. So pagan uh, cults are not my favorite. Pagan cults, like, satanic pagan cults. Cult movies are not my favorite. So we'll probably do, okay. we're going to, I think right now, but like we're going to do pagan cults. Uh, we're going to talk about pagan cults. We're going to talk about satanic cults. We're going to talk about new age cults. And then I was thinking maybe we may need to add a part four that's just about personality cults, like cults that uh, are really focused on one charismatic hmm. leader and individual. We'll see. So that might be the way we go. Hmm. I hope you guys like it. We want to hear feedback on this. So once we go through this this you know series, we would love to hear some more information from you guys about uh, whether or not you like doing multi-part episodes and stuff like that. Or if you get bored. Um, or if you get bored. Um, but I think the, I think the topics are different enough and the movies are different enough that I think it should be fun. So, uh, let's, let's go talk about our, shut up. <laughs> She's laughing at me cause I'm trying not to say dive in. <laughs> I've watched it go through his eyes. Like let's dive right. And then he went, you're such a jerk. What do I think about what, what do I say here? <laughs> Let's go to let's, let's go, go to, to the, the place. Mall. Let's go to the place. Let's go to the mall. Uh, let's go to the place that we're going to talk about today. The phobia. <laughs> uh, let's talk about fear of cults, which I think um, we're going to define fear a little cults, bit. Colon. Colon pagan cults. Pagan cults. Um, but I think at first we'll we'll definitely have to define some uh, some some yeah. things first and foremost. So uh, here we go. Cultophobia. Here we go. <laughs> So we took a bit, a, a, a bit of a break in between these segments because I had to go pick up um, our son from a birthday we had party. To coordinate the dropping offs yeah. and picking up. And so I listened to the first segment, uh, and and it the sound quality was kind of shitty in that too. So I made some more adjustments. Hopefully, it's a little better. It was better, but it had some some pretty high like like I was blowing out speakers when I was talking in the microphone. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, this will be better. I don't know. Oh, we'll give Fuck it a it. shot. Fuck it, man. You know, whatever. We're not professionals here. No, not no. yet. We're amateurs. But still, yeah. Fucking amateurs. We're in the infancy. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Uh, so cultophobia. That's what we're going to call this. I, which I still think is like the cheesiest thing. It's like sandwichophobia, cupophobia. It's like not. It's, it's so not unprecedented. Cheesy. There are people online who've called so it, called this cultophobia. It feels lazy. Uh, the other option was Tom Cruiseophobia. Which is so very that's, narrow. That's an option too. Very narrow, that's, considering he's only involved in an one option. cult. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but but he's kind of a figure, like a he like represents all cults everywhere. You know how so? I don't know. Exactly. Just, that just, was such a blanket statement <laughs> that made no sense. Um, I just got myself uh, since I'm no longer going to be driving to pick up children. Yay! I just poured myself a very pagan cult beverage. A very ironic. So our friend, our friend Vida, uh, who's from Lithuania, Vida Tomasetti. Uh, she, for my birthday or something, some event a couple of years, like a year or two ago, got me this 
this traditional Lithuanian suktini, 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 mead nectar, um, suktini's folk dance mead nectar. Oh, so I'm guessing it makes you want to folk dance. Oh, and maybe sacrifice, and maybe sacrifice a human here or there, you know, just to appease the gods. So that's what I'm drinking, and I'm kind of excited. It's actually pretty good. I really like it. No, it's disgusting. You don't like it? It tastes like wet bread. It's delicious. No, it doesn't. Wet bread. Mm-mm. Wet bread alcohol. Mm-mm. It doesn't taste 50% anything like beer. Alcohol, 100%. It's actually really sweet, and it's actually made of like honey and cloves, and like it's it's made like mead's made, um, which actually applies really well to the Wicker Man remake. Oh, super. Um, which is which is during? fucking terrible. The uh, the Nick Cage version it has a cult following and it's i can see where the what an apropos the fun, use of that word where the fun would be a cult were a cult following a cult following yes um but it's not great it's not i uh, but they do make mead on the mere, island they make mere. mead on the island so well what else do you do when you're trapped on an island yeah it's much more um yeah that's kind of weird <laughs> kind of a weird one you look befuddled. It's, it's very well what's interesting is the dialogue is a whole bunch of dialogue taken from the original and it's movie terrible from the original movie but they just apply it to this new kind of storyline and it was it's uh, it's an odd one anyways get off of that um tangent that tangent it's a rat, Back on it's a rabbit trail with snowshoes on what that's what my weird i had a weird professor in college uh, that that would whenever he got off on a tangent, he would make up weird stuff like that. Ah, that's enough of that. That's a that's a that's a whole other rabbit trail with with snowshoes on. Wow. Yeah, I always remember that. I literally wrote that quote and put it in quotes. That's kind of badass. Yeah, and and put like Mister Mister one of our uh, sweatshirts should say that. <laughs> Trying to remember what his name was. We Mr. go off on so many damn tangents. I don't know. He was a, he was a strange cat. Um, Colts specifically that's what we're talking about well we're not talking about let's let's not dive into the pagan cult part of it yet right so cults in general right the whole concept of a cult is a very controversial topic right the the just the definitions themselves right very controversial should it be used there's a thousand derogatory is it offensive yeah is it i mean you know what what should be classified as a cult what Mm. should be classified as a world religion what should be classified as a sect you know what are these different things mean and words just mean what they mean. And they, they give us our categories to put things in, but they are always fluid and they always have, right. have various different definitions. And, and this is one that definitely it, among academics who study religion or study people groups, it's a very hotly contested topic. Like you can read a bunch of different opinions um, on this, but I think for our purposes, we should probably just go with, kind of a standard, more universal understanding. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick before we kind of examine the, uh, the phobia side of things or the fear side of things or, or get more like kind of intimately involved in what the, this pagan cult stuff is all about. Um, let's just try to define our terms a little bit. So, so we're all familiar with, with world religions and world religions tend to be, you know, these very large mainstream uh, religious organizations. And when you're talking about a world religion, you're typically talking about people who hold to kind of the orthodox understanding of those religions, right? The very the beliefs, kind of foundational yeah. beliefs. So in Christianity, you're talking about, if you're talking about kind of orthodox Christianity, you're talking about like the apostles creed and these very early creeds of the church that de- that kind of define what, what the church believes, right? Right. So as far as world religions go, you have, you have like Christianity, it's the largest in, in the world, 2.1 billion, Islam, 1.3 billion. Um, 
uh, I, I include secularism and agnosticism and atheism in kind of a big chunk because that's still a very there large a people group. Sure, absolutely. Surrounding those. Um, 1.1 billion. Um, Hinduism, 900 million. Traditional Chinese religion, which encompasses a whole bunch of different types of beliefs, uh, 394 million. And Buddhism, 376 million. But I wouldn't limit it to just that either. You have Judaism, you have mm-hmm. you have Jintoism, you have you have Sikhism, you have so many different world religions that are that are still considered somewhat mainstream major, major religions, right? Um, where we start calling groups kind of this is where the the controversy is, right? Because you have large groups like Mormonism mm-hmm. or Jehovah's Witnesses or or there's you know kind of uh, cabal groups that kind of are offshoots of Judaism groups that are offshoots of Islam, uh, that they may internally consider themselves world religions, but it depends on who you talk to. Right. right. A lot of people define what, what a sect would be is kind of an offshoot of a world religion that doesn't hold to those Orthodox beliefs. They have, they have some things that are, that are different. Right. Right. So uh, within the within like Christianity, we would say Mormonisms have more, you know, Mormons have heretical beliefs, right? Because mm-hmm. it's heresy outside of what the Orthodox teaching is. Right. Um, and those would kind of be considered as far as definitions go, kind of a sect, a sect of Christianity as and they came out of Christianity, but they're not in, in line with mainstream Orthodox right. Christianity. Or there's Christian this teaching. defined line of what it is. And then there's these little offshoots like tributaries basically right? Um, that kind of have their own ecosystem and kind of follow their own rules, but are filtered down through this one main kind of system um, that they identify with. that's larger than them. Well, and sometimes, and sometimes a sect uh, can become a world religion, right? right? I mean, it's kind of, some people say that Christianity is a sect of Judaism that became a, a world, world religion. religion. Mormonism okay. is big enough at this point that it's possible that we might be able to define that in the same way, right? A sect right. that's become a world religion. It's larger than, than just a, an offshoot. You know what I mean? Um, but maybe Seventh-day Adventists, maybe that's more of a sect, right. you know, and Mormonism maybe has become kind of big enough to become a world religion. Um, that's, th- those are just academic really definitions. Um, you know, when we, so then when we start talking about what a cult is, uh, a cult tends to be, tends to be a smaller group of people, right? Somewhat isolated. Sometimes Uh, they typically have religious beliefs and, and practices that they may have come out of a, a religion as well. They may have come out of a sect or, or another world religion or something like that as well. But what di- what dif- differentiates a cult from a a maybe just a, a mainstream sect or, a, or or an offshoot is they tend to be really strange and very sinister, or they may have some sort of aspect of them that is um, involves um, you know some sort of, of of separation from family, separation from. We'll get into kind of the more details of that um, as well because I know you have a whole lot of of information and also many times surrounding a personality, not exclusively, you know, it's not always the case that there's a central authority figure or central charismatic figure, but it's very common that that's the case, right? A personality, a cult of personality, somebody, there's a leader that has, has kind of risen up that everybody venerates. That's the word I was looking for earlier, by the way, um, venerates or worships or, you know, holds to be infallible or, or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're going off of. 
So um, that was a super long definition. Can you give us like a like a a shorter version of that? Or so I would say a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Okay. Regarded by others is also a really important point, right? Sinister, that word. Yeah. You've been using that <laughs> word like a lot in the past 24 hours. That wasn't even my definition. That was the literally the the Google, you know, Google definition of what a, a, a cult is as far as, you know, so I didn't I didn't even do that one myself. And we tend to immediately think of Jim Jones. We mm-hmm. think of the Branch Davidians. We think of Marshall Applewhite and Heaven's Gate. Um, you know, maybe Eastern cults like Maharishi Manson. Mah- Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. You know, Manson, the Manson cult, um, not the, the biggest, Moonies, but you know? made a big impact. Absolutely. So th- I think those are the ones we go to immediately, but yeah. it's so much bigger. There's so many more, uh, and, and there's, there's smaller groups and off of groups. one branch, you get tiny little branches that break off and kind of just get farther and farther away from where they originated from, um, to the point where they don't even look like that anymore. They're kind of organized around, um, a belief and, or a person, Um, and it's an excessive devotion to that thing that causes isolation and dependency in that, uh, cultic relationship. So that's what I'm, that's kind of how I'm classifying it. Like, I don't like saying like, this is a cult, but I do enjoy saying, um, that has characteristics of a cultic relationship. (laughs) That's such a. That's such a therapist so way of putting things. So we are things. so trained to be very sensitive. It's got characteristics of a cultic relationship. Well, it really does. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we're you just call a spade a spade. No, it, we're trained to to be very sensitive of that and and of the fact that there are a large portion of Americans who will have an encounter with a recruiter or have been in a cultic relationship themselves, and it's important especially during kind of the deconditioning process that they, that that word be used very, you know, selectively because so people get resistant. We, at what point can we call them a cult? Is it after the Kool-Aid? You should is it never, only after the Kool-Aid? You should never talk to them. Is it, That's how is it, that should go. Is it before, is it before the Kool-Aid or after the Kool-Aid or is it, is it, is it after the Nikes and the sheets? Uh, I'm not, I don't know. So I actually went on to like the international cultic studies association website and looked up some information. Um, Their statistics show in the most recent analysis that um, two to five million U.S. citizens have been involved or are currently involved in cultic group relationships. Um, That's approximately one to 10% of the population. Um, and about a hundred thousand of those a year either enter or leave. And so they actually define it as, um, a cult is a core, uh, something that has a coordinated program of social conditioning, psychological manipulation and thought reform. So I kind of liked that because it really does emphasize thought reform, um, but this other de- definition actually is from uh, Margaret Singer, who is an incredible um, researcher on cults. Um, and she actually... Not to be confused with Margaret Sanger, Singer. the founder of Planned Parenthood, I right. believe, right? Singer. <laughs> or Peter Singer, the ethicist. She actually uses I thought, her full when name. When I said Singer, I thought, I thought you were talking about him. She actually uses her full name, but I don't remember her middle name. Um, but probably she, to, to, to differentiate because that's Margaret really Thaler Singer, so Thaler, Margaret Thaler Singer. Um, she's written a lot of bo- books on cults. She's a pretty, uh, well-regarded and, oh, yeah. and, um, uh, and, and often quoted and cultic relationship was coined by her. 
Um, and she's the one who did so much research and kind of identified, regardless of what the, the belief system is um, or what the cult is doing, there's kind of three mechanisms that operate across uh, across these cults that help them identify whether or not individuals are in a cultic relationship or in a, in a, in a religious relationship or, you know, just a collaborative relationship, like who, who is responsible for differentiating that or defining it. Um, so she kind of gathered this from the known cults of the past, um, and came up with three things. Um, one is the one is they uh, thrive on isolation or the idea that only we can have what you need. We have it. We, our belief, our our person that's in charge. And not just the beliefs, but but like this time and place, right. these people, this this you know, right? Because a lot right of religions, almost all religions it. are exclusive, are exclusive in some way, right. right? We have the answers, but cults take it that step further, where it's where it becomes about this. You know these people right here. This small part, mm-hmm. this little small sect, we're the only ones who have yep. the who have the answers. And then with from that, they also create engulfment or dependency, where they take you away from everything that used to make you an individual or unique, and you become engulfed in the society, in the community, um, in the cult itself, and you eventually become emotionally sometimes physically financially and financially mm-hmm. dependent on the cult to survive. Sure. So now they have control over you, right? Now they can use that, that word that um, you said earlier, the, uh, what's the word I've been making? Oh, veneration. No, not veneration is uh, crap. <laughs> sinister. Um, sinister. Yes. It becomes the, sinister. This it becomes is the sinister, the sinister part. aspect. Yeah. Um, and that is they use that dependency to foster a fear arousal or a frightening relationship that increases a sense of dread and ignites those uh, fear responses that we're so familiar with fight, flight and freeze. Right. Typically in cultic relationships, we see freeze just uh, kind of as we see in domestic abuse relationships where us on the outside, we're like, why can't you just get out of it? But on the inside, they all three of these things are also present. There has been isolation from family and friends. There has been engulfment or dependency created, um, emotional or otherwise. Um, and then finally, there's the opportunity for fear arousal that creates distance and anxiety that makes the other person want to come closer afterwards. So it's this really psychologically manipulative cycle. It's just like being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Very, very similar. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting to point out too, I think, um, or something that I think we should point out. Uh, many of you have probably been raised in, in churches or in, you know, mainstream, you know, considered mainstream uh, religious organizations or certain denominations within Christianity or whatever it might be that, definitely had one or more of these characteristics, characteristics. right. That may have very much bordered on, on on this, right. You know, and there's, and there's a lot of these, these, um, you know, whether it's televangelists or, or we we were just, uh, our friend Liz just brought up Tony Alamo, um, was a great documentary that just came out on Tony Alamo this past year who, you know, came out of kind of a mainstream kind of the hippie Jesus people movement in, in California, um, which also the children of God came out of that was right just mm-hmm. for cults, uh, you know, just a lot of like 
uh, uh, Manson, the Manson family really, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole, that whole movement. Only we have it. <clears throat> you know, you have to come completely into our family. Mm-hmm. That's why it was the Manson family, mm-hmm. not the Manson group Absolutely. or coalition. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was, it became deeply rooted and that becomes emotional and that attachment makes it really difficult for individuals to leave, um, in more than one way. Like so there's, said. so there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, there's a bit of a curve, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like there are definitely many, uh, you know, mainstream Christian denominations out there today that have borderline cultic concept, you know, mm-hmm. concepts and, 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 and maybe become very exclusive and very uh, controlling yeah. and all those Manipulative. things. Um, so there's definitely a curve here where, you know, some have become very established and very defined. We can look at certain groups and go, yeah, that's a cult, you know, the, the fundamental LDS or, or the, you know, the, the Moonies or whatever that we can look at them and go, you know, the, 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 the branch Davidians, they're a cult because they've, they've got all of these characteristics and we can look at them and go, mm-hmm. this is, this is over the top. Well, yeah. Know? And, and like Sanger says, Singer says, um, that group, you really have to look at the origin of the group or the role of the leader within the group, right? So take a look at that when you're investigating, am I in a cult or is my loved one in a cult? Um, the power structure relationship between the leaders and the followers is hugely indicative of cultic relationship behavior because it, there's normally a requirement of total devotion. Right. Absolutely. Total devotion. Like, Do not question. Do no not ask questioning. questions. You know, yeah, this is, this is, this is 100%. Devotion. Yeah. Um, questions are discouraged. You know, you are just expected to, um, little girls are to be seen and not heard kind of thing, Absolutely. you know? Um, and then finally we see coordinated programs of persuasion and thought reform. So this coercive persuasion that occurs on many levels in the cult from, um, senior level to, um, to recruitment level that um, is really very coordinated and highly, um, highly, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Organized? Organized. Yeah. Highly organized programs. Um, And we know that from these studies um, that people who leave a cult, people who have been in a cult, we see characteristics instead of PTSD. They like to use the phrase uh, they have DDD syndrome, which is debility, dependency, and dread syndrome which are the three things that that tie back to those three things I said earlier about what cults do to kind of wrap us in. Um, and these are the three things that it produces in us that make it incredibly difficult to get away. I mean, even things like thought stopping are taught. Like whenever you have a thought about, and about a second question about, you know, our Lord and Savior Joe Bob, uh, you know, you are supposed to lash yourself 30 times and you right. know, say to whatever. get that thought out of your brain. To, to, yeah. You know, you are taught it's a physical. Stopping. It's a physical. Uh, um, um, you know. And then dissociation is also common where just the stress and anxiety of of our thoughts and behaviors not lining up. Um, creates such anxiety that we dissociate from ourselves in the situation. That's a fear mechanism. That's that's a, trying to save us from ourselves, basically. Um, and that trauma bond that we've created makes us run to the source of our fear, even though we know it's not safe, but it's the only thing we know. 
the only thing available that that has ever felt sa- or that has felt safe in the near future. So it's kind of this recency bias too that keeps us locked in that cycle. Um, we freeze. We can't think clearly. We're too disorganized in our mind, and we're scared. What's going to happen to me? Sure. Um, the group has thought for them so long um, without any outside influences impacting them uh, that it's it's hard for them to think apart from themselves now. Um, it, it's one of those if you don't use it, you lose sure, it kind sure. of things. You lose touch with it. Sure. And 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 the brainwashing and the the, the stuff that comes in afterwards when people are trying to recover or get out of these things, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a process. It literally is deprogramming the whole yeah. concept of deprogramming people who come out of cults is a, is controversial as well, but, but it's, you literally have to retrain the brain because it's, it's, it's so locked into the way that it's supposed, the way that it's supposed to react. And, yeah. and, and so I think we're going to get into, we're going to get into the cults. We have obviously have four weeks mm-hmm. or four, three or four episodes to kind of break this down even more. Um, but for the sake of time, let's, let's kind of talk about, let's talk about pagan cults. Cause we're going to go, we're going to talk about pagan cults specifically today. And, and you know, the term pagan is controversial in and of itself because it was a, de- it was a definition really that came from the Christians in the fourth century. Um, you know, they were the outlying, uh, new religion, you know, in the first century, second century, third century, uh, Christianity was, but by the fourth century, the, the Roman world had adopted Christianity. And so basically to identify the outlying rural people that were still worshiping the old gods, um, in the areas around Rome, these people that were not committed to Christianity, that's where the term pagan kind of came in. Oh, interesting. The pagans were the ones on the, the outskirts that hadn't, you know, come around to our, our new Christian belief here in Rome yet. Uh, and they're still, involved in ritual sacrifice. They're still involved with the old the gods. historical kind of, the, of very Yeah, rigid. the Greco-Roman religions that were prevalent around that time, right? The polytheism was still still rampant and the and the and the pantheism and all those kind of things. So, it's it's also kind of a, a it could be considered a derogatory term for people for groups that believed in polytheism as well. Um, but it's always associated with with things that are out, outside the mainstream or, you know, rural cults or rural groups Mm -hmm. or groups that practice pantheism, which was that God is kind of in all things, you know, he's not distinct. He's not imminent. The word you learned imminent uh, recently, um, not imminent, not, not, yeah, imminent, imminent with an A, not an I, um, he's not personal, right? So he's kind of in all things. That's kind of the pantheistic view. Um, the universe and God are the same, right? Um, or a lot of these groups, these pagan, what we consider pagan cults throughout history were animistic. Mm-hmm. That meant that objects and creatures and places, Things they had. were all alive and they all possessed a spirit and they all were, were part of this kind of energy, energy that yeah, in, in nature, things. in all things. Right. So this is kind of your nature worship, right? Your nature, um, which, you know, was still alive and well today. And there's still people that practice this within mm-hmm. Wicca and within all these other different groups. So, but those are what we now traditionally consider to be pagan, um, pagan, pagan cults, pagan folk cults, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so this has kind of led to a whole stream of, of, of really interesting history, like the Druids and the Celts, um, you know, cause a lot of these pagan groups involved human sacrifice, um, 
we know we know that that was true of the Druids and the Celts. We know that was true of a lot of these Swedish groups. We know this was true of a lot of these kind of animistic or or pagan cult uh, groups, um, which is really f- interesting, fun history. I think. I mean, it's a blast to study, uh, but it's also ripe for for horror movies, right? For sure. So there is a whole bunch of pagan folk cult horror movies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and we're going to talk about three of them today, um, which, you know, I watched a, a, a handful of extras too that I would have loved to have included, but you got to cut them off somewhere, you know, well, yeah. but there's a lot of really good ones. Um, but these are films that feature kind of a recurring archetype. You know, this is the arrival of the stranger, mm-hmm. right? The discovery of a secret cult. Then there's a vicious murder of some kind, typically. Then there's a sacrifice, maybe. You know, there's like these, there's all these motifs. Um, and the these sacrifices have to propitiate some sort of pagan god or or gods, you know. Appeasement. Appeasement, right? And a lot of times these visitors are are kind of metropolitan. They're kind of don't naive. They're naive. They they insensitive. Yeah, they're insensitive. They don't understand the laws of of the people. Um you know, the, but here in this cult, the, the laws of, of the nation they're in or whatever don't pertain. Right. You know, this is, they're isolated. Only their rules apply. Right. That's that, that idea of we have what you want, but you have to give us utmost emotion, right. devotion before you're allowed to have it. You know, the locals understand this stuff, but the people that are coming in don't, don't get it. They're, they're very, they're always very like shocked or, 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 or don't, or, or, or become the victims, you know, right. or whatever. Um, and that's pretty common in these movies. It's, and, and so what's interesting is when you see some of these movies being compared to each other, like, Oh, that movie's just like this, which we'll talk about um, this other movie. Well, that's just kind of, that's kind of the way these folk stories, these folk cult stories are laid out. They're mm-hmm. all kind of have a similar uh, root to them, which I think is really kind of cool um, because they all do them and they all do it in kind of a different way. So, uh, but these, these pagan cults, uh, they always have, you know, there's always, there's most time there's symbols involved. Mm -hmm. There's rituals. There's, there's, there's these, these gods or gods that they have to appease. There's all this stuff. So, so we're going to get into it as we get into the movies and, and uh, did you have some things about about pagan cults specifically? I was just going to comment on that because we can um, bring it into the next segment too. The researchers, Noblet and Perskin studied these deeply historically rooted groups that are often pagan or Gnostic uh, in traditional Mm -hmm. roots, European secret society. If you go a little bit farther, it kind of, we see some roots in that as well, but they tend to be secretive. They avoid the public um, and allegedly engage in, in extreme or what we would consider extreme acts, either of sexual exploitation and abuse or, um, or, uh, or human sacrifice, human, human exploitation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lots so, of yeah, sex, it was yeah, right sex on, that has too. been confirmed that this, this is a typical pattern from way back in European history. Um, so we're really looking at um, something that's very deeply rooted. And you brought the term Gnostic too. Gnostic just means secret knowledge. Yeah. So it's kind of like, the, that's kind of the concept of cults in general. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of like Gnostic cults were very big around the turn of the century, around the time of, of Jesus, Gnostic, the Gnostic cults were very pop. They were very popular. There was a very big thing around even way back then. And they still, are you know the Kabbalah groups in uh, in Judaism are very Gnostic, and there's a lot of these little cult groups that are all have that kind of concept too. This very secret knowledge is what huh. is what uh, 
saves you or well or, research confirmed it yeah so let's uh let's talk about our first movie uh our first pagan cult movie which was one i watched i think it was on my maybe on my top list from last year or the year before but um on netflix right now you can watch it uh and that is an a kick-ass little pagan cult movie called the ritual Rob would have loved this place. He's a good man. The best of us. You know they have walking trails in England. Pubs. Come on, man. Where's your soul? Ah! Oh, oh, it's twisted. It's twisted. Ah! Right, yep. Oh, easy, easy. Look, we go southwest through here. We cut the journey in half. Or through the forest. Yeah, why not? Should have gone to Vegas. Oh, you'd have found something to fall over in Vegas too, mate. Now, is it me, or is it really quiet in here? It's been gutted. Could be hunters out here. Bait, possibly. Or it's the bit they don't show you in the nature documentary. It's a warning. We shouldn't be here. Where the hell are we, Hutch? We should pitch the tents. This is ridiculous, man. Luke, you're getting soaked. You hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Come on. was a nightmare film. Well, what happened to you then? We got spooked and we had bad dreams. All right? I woke up last night. Look, look at this. Nothing has done that to you. You've done it to yourself. Why do you have to deny everything like that? Because I, I do not value your judgment. We need to be working together, man. All right, 2017's The Ritual. It's um, a fun little adventure. It is a fun, fun movie. A I fun, really enjoy fun it. Movie. A fun, fun movie. Twice the fun, Twice y'all. the fun. 2017, uh, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, I think it's Netflix original. Um, but it was directed by David Bruckner, who did South Pound. South Pound? South, South Pound. South Pound was a porn movie I watched recently. Ooh, oh, um, that's South Pound is a whole different movie. <laughs> don't get your Google <laughs> wrong, folks. Yeah, don't put South Pound in. No. Uh, Southbound and VHS, which are both anthologies of, he did sections of both of those, uh, both great movies. Uh, Southbound is on shutter, I believe. Um, so check it out. Produced by Andy circus, hmm. um, of 13 going on 30 fame. Uh, of course. Nobody that's else would his, know him from anything else. Yeah. That's his most infamous role. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, that right? that's the, the main one, right? It's what Has he done anything else in his mind. career? I don't think so. No? Yeah, 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 everything either. else fell really flat. He was one of the producers. Um, but this movie was uh, was the story of, of 
of buddies who were reuniting after the tragic death of their friend. Mm-hmm. Um, they're four college pals who set out to hike through the Scandinavian wilderness. Uh, a wrong turn leads them into the mysterious forests of Norse legend where an ancient evil exists and stalks them at every turn. And it's a really fun, like ancient beast that stalks them or whatever. It is. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get to, uh, we'll get to old Joe tune. Joe tune here in a bit. Uh, fun fact. Original tagline was they should have gone to Vegas, (gasps) uh, but they didn't use it because the, uh, I shouldn't laugh. This is terrible. Well, the, I don't know the terrible the, fact. The Las yet. Vegas massacre. Oh, now it's uh, terrible. Shooting took place right after, like right around the time of the release. So they they changed it to they shouldn't have gone to Ibiza. Oh, um, but that's really tragic. Because uh, they do at one point say that line. You know what's you interesting know? is this is all going to tie back to to our our feature presentation, which is Midsummer, mm-hmm. which I have titled "What Happens in Harga Stays in Harga." <laughs> does it really? It though? does. Yeah, totally. Totally, because nobody's getting yeah, out. Yeah, no one, no one, <laughs> no one gets out. No, everyone's still there. <laughs> They're either burned in a hut or just being the May Queen. So we've got we've got this this these four buddies, right? One of them dies in a really tragic uh, uh, convenience store accident. Convenience store accident. <laughs> Accidental shooting. Uh, he gets killed in a liquor store while it's being held up, and his buddy kind of cowers in the corner. Um, the the friend who gets killed seems Robert. Buddy's name is Luke, and. But he doesn't do anything to save him, even feels though he intense. wants to. Feels a lot of guilt afterwards, of course. Yeah. Um, but his buddies get together and they say, "Where should we go on our mancation?" You know, to kind of memorialize our friend Luke. And he had Luke had uh, not Luke, uh, Robert. Robert, I'm sorry. Um, Robert told had said that he had wanted to go to Sweden and hike for their trip, and they all gave him shit because they were like, "How am I going to get drunk at the bar every night?" If, um, if we're hiking in Sweden, right. so they decide to Good memorialize, point. to memorialize Robert, they should go to, uh, to Sweden. Um, which, you know, I don't know about life after death influencing things or whatever, but Robert kind of fucked them with this Sweden thing. Yeah. Well, actually, Ultimately, yeah. Them getting kind of in a wrong turn scenario and, you know, try and make shortcuts and stuff that, that ultimately, Screwed. Well, that's true. It was death by machete to Robert's death. Oh, um, death by machete. Oh, it was a machete. It was a machete. Yeah. <laughs> Chopped off the side of his head or whatever. I've um, been writing. what do you think about this movie? Before was, we get too, too deep into it. I thought it was a super fun ride. Um, you know, it's, it's another one of those like, uh, grief through shared adventuring buddies, you know, very similar to it's, it's, this is, yeah, I I think when this came out too, it was actually given that title, like the, the male version of the descent. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, it's very similar in that way. It's very similar in like the setup. Yeah. Not the, not the content necessarily, but the setup, the setup, you know, something tragic happens processing great. I mean, midsummer's kind of set up that way too, you know, well, and these are supposed to be the bro scene. We talked about this, like these, these, these pagan, I want to call them pagan folk, folk horror films have a, they have, have a, a rhythm. They have a rhythm, right? They have, they have the outsider finds the, the, the secret cult and, and then hilarity ensues. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, it always turns out great. Uh, typically there's sacrifice involved. Typically there's, you know, it's lots not of so sacrifice good. and ritualistic sex. So these kids, these kids, uh, this one did not have ritualistic sex. Interestingly enough. No. It's too bad. That would have made it an even better movie. Well, 
uh, Jotun was really just, or Jotnar. Jotun. 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 Sorry. Was really uh, just concerned with eating. Yeah. So was, he, was, he really is not appeased very easily. No. So. No time for sex. We've got our four buddies, uh, Luke, Hutch, and Phil, and Dom. Um, Dom's kind of the pussy complainer. Mm. in the group which yeah. i have a yeah. i have a i have a point to make about this that if you're gonna take a trip to some crazy horror shit place where shit might go down look at your buddies you know which one of you is most likely to be figure that figure out which one is the weak link and who's gonna get you killed and tell them to stay home don't invite them on the extreme friends trip don't invite them. On the extreme, don't invite them on the extreme friends. I'm sorry, trip. but no. you can't come on the extreme friends trip. And you know what? If you you're can't, a liability, if you can't figure out which one of your buddies is that person, it's you. Then it's you. Aww. Yeah. So Dom. See, I'm of the opposite belief that you bring them along and use them as bait. Well, they didn't do that. <laughs> at least not early enough. Um, so they're, they're hiking. Dom twists his ankle or hurts his knee or something. And I thought it was ankle. It was but like, then it was, it was like, like meniscus. The day, I was like, that's in your knee. They, Maybe there's one in your ankle. I don't know. The, the first day or second day or something. And the lodge is like 14 hours hike away. So it's basically a two days hike. And they, they are like, well, let's fucking go through the woods, man. Shortcut, shortcut. Cause we know movies are always going to end up like, it's shortcut always going to be good when you great. take a shortcut. Yeah. We know from Hansel and Gretel, like, or whatever, or, you know, and we're taking anytime. a shortcut through a very dark and disorienting forest. So yes, this is, super this is, great idea. This is Sweden. Awesome. Uh, very, very, uh, um, uh, I don't want uh, what's the word? Rur- not rural. Um, very outback. Yeah. But there's a word I'm trying to Foresty? think Foresty. Um, remote. There remote. we go. Remote. <laughs> We live near some very remote forests ourselves. So, you know, this could be Sierra Nevada's, you know, sure. outside of Reno. Um, you don't take a shortcut through the woods. No. You know, even if you have a, a, a good handy. It's hard enough time just staying compass. on the path. Right. You know, just that's a hard enough thing to do. And that's why you give your name in case you go missing. You know, right. After Which they did. They did yeah. that. But uh, it it's going to be really sad. Because you know what? Them. The people at the lodge are like, I ain't going to the fucking forest. Uh, I'm good. Those, those people know what's up. That is the Norwegian Jotunheimen. Yeah. This, this, is, this is the, the forest. That's the forest that they were in, huh? The Jotunheimen? Jotun, Jotunheimen. Well, yeah. they weren't in Norwegian, Norway, Norway, though. They were in uh, Sweden. Well, okay. So in Southern Norway, they have a version of this as well. It's the same thing. It's, they consider it to be more troll-like. Oh, you're going to get so much fucking Swiss, Swiss, sorry, Swedish. <laughs> oh, you too. Hey, um, you're getting some Swedish hate mail right now. Uh, well, All of our Swedish listeners. I mean, I would love to be, you know, further educated on it. This is just what I kind of Let's found go for a hike. online. Um, no, I'm good. Uh, um, but yeah, so this, this Jotun or Jotnar, um, is basically a bastard offspring of the God Loki. Um, and so is he a God? Is he a troll? Is he a nature spirit? We don't know anything about him yet though. They haven't interacted with him yet. I know. So we haven't got, we haven't even even met Jotun yet. That's true. Um, he, well, he has met them. Cause they're in the Jotunar. He starts, well, so once they enter the forest, shit starts getting weird, right? They start hearing rustling in the trees and hearing things going on in the distance. So we are introduced to Jotun, but we don't know it yet. We right. don't know who he is. Something's going um, but on. But we see forest. some weird shit. Like, 
like we found out Chris has a really uncanny ability to, to identify Gun bodies and trees. hanging in trees. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. Cause we, I saw it and I went, Oh, there's a deer in the tree. And you go, no, no it's an elk. that's an elk. Oh, I was like, oh, that's a gutted elk. You might be right. Yeah. Yep. And so they found gutted an elk, elk, an elk gutted in the trees. Um, not long after it starts raining. So they're running through the forest and it's raining and they find a cabin. Yay. When you find a cabin in the woods, this is another little side note as far as, you know, just horror movie. Don't go in. Don't just, you know what? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. You have tents. It might fine. be a good idea, but you're like, oh, good. I got a shelter, but, it's, but you it never, never ends up well. You never know. Never ends up well. Um, so they end up in this cabin and the cabin on the second floor has an altar to some antlered straw man with chicken feet. Oh, it's super creepy. I feel like we have to build that uh, in our front yard. Like, oh, for Halloween? For Halloween. Oh, like maybe our yard should be pagan. Ooh, cult pagan cult next year. Next year. I was thinking about doing pagan. Remember I was telling you uh, the, the, the wicker man? Um, mask. Mask. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of doing for Halloween next year. Yeah. It's pretty fucking creepy. I like it. Um, so they, they, they spend the night in this cabin and then they all wake up in the morning. They have this creepy shit upstairs and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll still sleep here. No big deal. No, this is cool. It's cool. Just this people, has a great people went crazy and it's just, we're in the wilderness. It's all good. There's just altars. To... Airbnb. It would be like 200 bucks a night. <laughs> it would. I'm going to do an Airbnb where it has like creepy shit in it. So people can <laughs> have that experience. Like they're right. doing, do you know they're doing that with, uh, with camp crystal Lake? Yes. You can I go saw there. You I see read that? that article. And you can go stay there. I kind of want to go. That's rad. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the gas station. Oh. You can Airbnb it there too as well and stay the night and have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre experience. That is so fun. Yeah. And eat barbecue. Barbecue would be delicious. Quote there. unquote. Uh, so they they end up waking up in the morning. Horrible nightmares. All having just terrible, terrible experiences. Like piss yourself nightmares. Hugh, is it Hugh? Is that his name? No. Not Hugh. Phil? What was his name? It's not important. The the good looking one. Hutch. 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 Pees himself. Had a nightmare. Only the cool kids pee themselves. Luke woke up, woke up having nightmares about the liquor store experience mm-hmm. and ends up outside the cabin with holes in puncture wounds in his chest of some kind, bleeding. That's not how you want to wake up. No, that's un- unsettling. Dom is bleeding and screaming. Pussy Dom. Uh, Phil, our, our like little like kind of Middle Eastern-y looking dude, is upstairs naked, bowing and praying to the altar. Yeah. That's a weird night, folks. One star at that Airbnb. One star Airbnb. Never returning. Time to get the fuck out. I feel like I lost a part of my soul. So I feel like one star lost my soul. Soul peace out. Uh, so it's time to get the fuck out of there. So they take off uh, and kind of have a rough day, stressing out, camp out. They find another hiker's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Great time. And decide to camp out there. That's yeah, perfect place. Um, against abandoned hikers stuff. But like like shoes and stuff that like you yeah, should be probably should have with you. and wearing and you know, yeah. yeah. Uh that was great idea number five in this adventure. Yeah. So they end up camping out, wake up the next morning, more bad nightmares, and uh Hutch is gone. So they go run through the forest again, looking around, depressed, and 
Chris rightly identifies. I thought it was the missing hiker. Um, however, she rightly identifies the man in the trees that Not- is, that is, that is, what is that? Bisected? Yeah. Bisected and flayed open. Yeah. As uh, as Hutch, uh, their friend. Yep. So he's up in the trees. Uh, he's had a bad day. This guy has a thing for things in trees. Um, yeah. Yeah. By the way, another connection uh, to bisected, flayed open people, uh, Midsummer as well. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. chicken shed. Absolutely. Um, just note for the future. Uh, so anyways, they, 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 they're now they're freaked out. Their buddies now? now they're a little more, they're slightly more freaked now? out. Now that they found their friend flayed open, uh, guts now dangling. We're freaked out. Now they're freaked out. Uh, start running through the forest again. And then it's time for Phil to go. And Phil, Bye, Phil. Phil gets killed by the Dude. Jotun. The Jotun is chasing them now. They kind of see him. It's really terrifying how on. Phil gets killed, though, because he, like, the Jotun captures him with whatever it uses and then pulls him into the darkness and you can see his flashlight waving and then all of a sudden you just see it like stop and drop to the Ooh. floor and it like it's so creepy good kill so now it's just dom and dom and luke yeah so it's pussy dom and luke the 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 what do you call him the the uh mourner of his buddy the the guilt uh, survivor's guilt, survivor's guilt, Luke. That's what we'll call him. <laughs> survivor's guilt, Luke and Dom. Um, and they, they start kind of trying to avoid Jotun, who is this, we, they don't know anything about this thing yet, except it's just this monster chasing them in the woods. And they finally end up at, at a village and they're like, sweet. We have, we're, we're saved. We've found, yeah, we, we found, found people. people. We're, we're, we're good now. And they go into a cabin and conk. Oh, whoops. Yeah. They're, they're they get knocked out immediately. That's not a good sign. And they wake up to Rachel Dratch. Hey, Rachel from Saturday Dratch Night Live. is in the show. This chick looks just like Rachel it's Dratch. It's really creepy and funny. <laughs> it's really hard to take her seriously. Yeah, She looks is. just like a Saturday Night Live character. Um, to Like giving them some water or some hallucinogens or something. Um, but now we're in our pagan cult. Uh, it's a village and it's, they worship a, a deity uh, named Jotun who interestingly enough, the history behind this Jotun thing is uh, it's, it's this Norse creature. That's part of like a, a, a group of creatures, I guess, called the Jotnar. Um, it's said that even Odin was descended from these, these creatures oh, from, interesting. from the Jotnar. Uh, and they can be described as either exceedingly beautiful or alarmingly grotesque. Oh, well, which one is this one? This one is a little bit alarmingly grotesque, That's, although there's a beauty to him. He's kind of like, he's kind of majestic, like an animal. Majestic. He's kind of got like a little Minotaur thing going on. And, Minotaur. Then, like, and then like weird little, like. Like Jurassic human Park, hands. human, human Tyrannosaurus Rex hands, maybe. I don't know. They're kind of floppy and like uh, coming off of his face. This, it, but it's, it's like weird. a person that's coming out of what is considered his face. Yeah. So it's it just really, boo. it's very, no, creepy. thank you. Very creepy. Um, honestly, like as a, just to make a long story short here, Dom ends up getting sacrificed to the deity. Bop, bop. Uh, Luke is given the option of 
becoming part of the tribe, which this tribe or the cult or whatever, the folk group, this tribe experiences because they worship this deity and provide him with, you know, the, the sustenance that he needs. Um, they get no pain, no death, and they live beyond natural. That's life. right. Yeah. They have this weird, like, so they have this weird connection to this God that allows them to, mm-hmm. to kind of have eternal promise life that, or promise them something that they can get nowhere else. That's right. As long as they, they comply, as long with as him. they do what they got to do, yeah. which, which, our boys here kind of fucked that up and a couple of them end up dead. Yeah. Joe Toot ends up getting kind of pissed off that they didn't sacrifice properly. Yeah. Um, and ends up killing a few of them, but, um, but it's a great, this is a, so, it, and then Luke decides not to bow down to Joe Toon and ends up taking him on head on and kind of injures him a couple times. They fight out in the woods and then goes just beyond the forest to the open area and Joe Toon cannot go any further. So he's trapped in that, in that forest. And when he finds out, what does he Don't do? Don't take shortcuts people. Oh, he screams. Primal screams. Like just this like grief, yeah. rage, uh, excitement, exhaustion, you know, terror. Like, have you ever seen that episode of uh, Rick and Morty where they, they both get into Rick's spaceship after like a horrible amount of events and they all both just start like hyperventilating and yeah. crying and like screaming. screaming that, yeah. That's what a lot of that in midsummer like. too. There's Again, a lot of that midsummer. in midsummer. Yeah. So more themes. Yeah. So we have the pagan, we have, we have, we have uh, the only thing that I, I don't like, or that I'm not saying I don't like, but the only thing that I wish was more fleshed out was this pagan community. Sure. We don't, I would have loved to have seen this pagan community more like this, this Norse, old uh, obviously they're probably ancient people yeah or whatever because they're able to live beyond regular years so who knows how old they are yeah exactly i would have loved to have seen more of that and i think it almost could have been right for a sequel where you see the story of the people that would be a great um, idea you know kind of rising up uh like and, rise of the ritual yeah or something yeah <laughs> or, or we learn we learn more about the when god did, when did jutan you know make this agreement with this people and you know who are these people and what kind of other rituals you yeah. know more from the perspective of inside oh, and we didn't even talk about the runes either so so on the trees as they're going through the forest they're seeing all of these yeah. pagan symbols right so we talked about this pagan cult stuff um uh and we see this in wicker man we see it in midsummer as well and a lot of other um pretty much all of the other other uh, pagan horror type movies uh you see symbolism mm-hmm. you see the symbology um and the symbology in the ritual is almost identical to the symbology in in midsummer, midsummer. because it's swedish it's, it's the same thing swedish norse mythology so you see um i had it written down here somewhere but you see uh, let's see the sign the hikers see on the trees near the cabin um, is the last rune of Futark, um, which we talked in, in, in and in uh, in Midsummer. There's a big conversation about oh, is this the younger Futark or the elder Futark? Um, so there's that same kind of those same kind of, of of little symbolism and symbology and stuff like that too. So neat. Um, it's a fun movie, man. I really dig this movie. And when it first came out, when I first saw it. Super, super, super enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I didn't like when he broke his thumb to get out of the the restraints, but I just looked away. So does a broken thumb equal Chris's compound fracture? Did as you well? see it? I did. Yeah. It was disgusting. You can see it, obviously not in the right can direction. Can we play that the the song? If you want to, we can play it later though with Bidsummer. Chris's compound fracture. <laughs> 
No, I like to play it multiple <sighs> times in an episode. Yeah, this it's a really popular theme in these movies in particular. <laughs> so breaking a, a phalange uh, is is the breaking same. Breaking anything is the same. Can, is the same. Is, is the same as getting a broken leg. It like, doesn't. It, it's if, a compound if, fracture. It doesn't even have to come out of the skin. If I just if it, if you could. It's s- just bent sideways. Yeah, yeah. If it, it's unnatural. <laughs> it ain't right. It ain't right. <laughs> it really freaks me out. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the ritual. Uh, 19, 19, 2017, uh, watch it on Netflix. It's super fun. Uh, but let's transition into, uh, two movies. So Wicker Man and Midsummer, we did kind of, I, I wanted to include them both because there was so much conversation about Wicker Man, uh, Midsummer just copying Wicker Man or, or these movies being tied together. Asinine. And I just wanted to, we, we needed, we really needed to break down both of them. Yeah. Um, in this, in this section. Um, and I think in order for us to cover pagan cult horror movies best, we needed to talk about it. For sure. Plus they're both fucking rad movies. So pretty interesting. So let's talk about, uh, almost 40 years ago, 1973's Wicker Man. Wicker Man. I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood. to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. Where is Rowan Morrison? If Rowan Morrison existed, we would know. I suspect murder. Sergeant, I've already told In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you that can stand by and see your own child slaughtered? You are the fool, Mr. Harris. The liars. A despicable little liars. and barley rigs there's so much songs and the corn rigs are body so much songs so very much sing i love it it's it's, it's kind of weird it's a musical i don't know that i would call it that it's totally a musical how is it a musical they're singing through the whole thing what are you talking about there is singing but that's part of their culture yeah but there's a lot of it 
it's a, a it's a musical. Like siren singing. It's a it's like a, a pagan cult horror musical. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I like it. Uh, 1973's The Wicker Man, directed by Robin Hardy, stars Edward Woodard as Sergeant Howie and Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle. Um, and also, I got to get her name right, too, because she is a big part of it. Um, what is her name? Oh, man, what's her name? Something Eckert. Uh, oh, Eckland. Britt Eckland as Willow, hmm. uh, the landlord's daughter. Yeah. The landlord's daughter. daughter. That's good stuff. See? Musical. <laughs> Uh, Not the musical I was expecting, though. This whole place Very takes this whole place takes place on the Scottish island of Summer Isle. Ooh, fancy. Uh, synopsis: A Puritan police sergeant is sent to a Scottish island village in search of a missing girl who the townsfolk claim never existed. What? Stranger still are the pagan rites that take place there. Wow. Yeah, and, it's pretty strange. And hilarity ensues. And hilarity ensues. Uh, Sergeant Howie, kind of a stick in the mud, this um, guy. Well, he's got a bit of a blame, stick. He's got a bit of a stick up his ass. Can you blame him though? He's very repressed sexually. He is very repressed sexually. He is a virgin. We find out he's yeah. a, he's a, a grown man. From now on, we're going to call him Sergeant V card. Sergeant V card. Yeah. Sergeant V card. Uh, definitely, definitely walking around with a stick up his ass though. Oh, yeah. He is not, he's not a fan of the booze. He's just not the happiest. He's not a fan of the sex very... of the women. Very staunch in his belief he systems. Is. He's he's one of those Christians that just you don't you know you're like dude just have a beer, but like it's okay. God's not going to strike you down, you know. If you look at a booby, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Sound theology right there from a trained theologian. Uh, so he goes over to this island, and he's he's one lone police officer that's been sent. Uh, some information of some kind uh, that there's a missing girl and that nobody's investigating it. So he goes over to the Island and starts to, and this is a very um, kind of remote Island that, that off the Scottish coast that is very isolated. Yeah. Isolated. They have their whole, they have a whole other. They kind of operate outside of, of other laws and other norms and kind of everything, you know, they really have separated themselves and created their own little world, a whole culture, which we learned about the history of it in the movie as well. Right. Um, later on, but, but they, they, they are not very, they're not very open to outsiders. Nah, they're wary. Not a big, not a big best. fan. So Sergeant Howie comes over, Sergeant V card. Uh, and he starts asking around about this girl and the girl's name is Rowan. And Rowan is the one who's supposed to be missing Rowan Morrison. And so he goes immediately to her to, you know, he talks to the local old dudes at the, at the dock and they are, ah, I've never heard of her, never seen her before showing pictures, goes to the mom, supposed mom, her, her, her mother. And the mother's like, I don't have a daughter named Rowan. I have a daughter back here. You know, here you go. Mm. And you know, they introduced to, to her, her daughter who's not Rowan. Um, Basically, nobody knows who this girl is, right? Uh, Seriously. So he's he's, but he's he's still suspicious. Mm. Uh, so he checks into a local pub, a uh, local local pub and inn. Yeah, I guess. Uh, which why do they have an inn if they don't accept like a lot of outsiders? 
that confuses um, me. Maybe so the members of the colony, if they need to stay the night, just because they're drunk and they don't want to go across wasted. the island. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, can see that. I was confused by that a little bit. Uh, why have an inn if you don't want outsiders? Hmm. You know, it, it seems like they wouldn't do very good business. The pub pub seemed hopping. Well, yeah, the pub was hopping, but so he checks into this this place and the locals break into a a very dirty song. It's really hilarious. about the landlord's daughter. <sighs> Uh, named Willow and uh, they talk about what's between her legs. They talk about how she makes all the men hard. Very, very just turgid. sexualized. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like a, like a baby's arm. All of them. Uh, very dirty song. Um, you're too distracted. Come on, focus right. up here. You can talk. I want to talk. Oh, well, you're telling the Tell story. me more about the, the landlord's daughter song. Come on. I don't remember a lot. Get into this it. here. I don't remember a lot of the lines, um, <laughs> except for that. It's just super dirty. And um, there was another one. Oh, like right after that, the landlord's daughter goes to the room next door to Sergeant V card and like, does this weird, I'm going to call her wicker tit. Um, wicker tit, wicker tit, wicker tit. Um, she just does this weird, like soft siren tit, everything in the room slapping rig rhythmically. She's very, song. she's very, it's very sensual. Very weird. It's very erotic, a very erotic dance. And Sergeant V card is like sweating it. She's out. like a His sex. She's a siren. She's like a siren. Whores. Yeah. And the cop is in the other room, just he listening to her bang against the walls and singing. And he is, well, he is struggling. Well, I think her role is really to ensure propagation of the community via vaginal inoculation. <laughs> I like it. That's good. <laughs> She's definitely a siren though. There's, oh, there's, yeah. very, there's a total, like there's definitely that symbolism of her being just this like singing the, even the song is very like, it's very calling. It's like, it's temptressy. And- yeah. And, and she's know. just naked, just yeah. dancing around just and slapping everything. And, and I have a theory that boobs strange. were different in the sixties and seventies. I don't really understand why they were different, but they're just shaped differently. Higher fat, fat content foods nowadays, maybe, or bras that just shaped them because they're, they're, they're pointy bras. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, um, but just different. They always look different. Uh, interesting fact. So this was played by, so Willow, this, this sex siren was played by Brit. Eklund. Uh, she was married to Peter Sellers, a very famous actor, um, in the 60s. And then in the 70s, she was dating Rod Stewart when this movie Whoa. when this movie came out. That's crazy. Um, and he tried to block the release of the movie because she was so naked oh, like throughout the whole flick. Come on, Rod. She's a consenting adult. You know, don't be so jealous. What like, a prude, man. Why are you? What's up, Rod Stewart? I don't think he's a prude. Wake up, Maggie. I think he's insecure in his relationship, apparently. He was very insecure. But. She was super hot. That's probably why. Well, so he's. She was way hot. She chose him. Spread that love around, Rod. Let everybody enjoy it. Well, it's too late now. Uh, but you know what? That's not even the coolest fact about her, about her love life. About her love life? Fact. No. I don't believe you. The coolest fact is that in 1984, she married none other than Slim Jim Phantom. Oh, that's so weird. The what? drummer for the Stray Cats. That's so strange. Which is one of my favorite bands of all time. I have a, tat- I have a Stray Cats tattoo. I love the Stray Cats. It'll be easy um, to identify She married body. Slim Jim Phantom. <laughs> she was married to him for uh, for like eight years. 
um, wow. from 1984 to 1992 or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fun facts right huh. there. Britt Eklund, the uh, Willow from interesting from uh, the Wicker Man, and she's super hot. She was very famous uh, back in the day too. She was kind of a a, a big sex symbol in a lot of movies and stuff. Well, I can understand why she played the siren then. She was Swedish. Of she's course. enchanting. We're always going back to the Swedish. Uh, uh, there in is this something just beautiful and kind of. Uh, I don't know, ethereal about uh, Swedish men and women, of, Norway, that whole Scandinavian descent, like, descent is ridiculous. It's just really just beautiful. It's people. stupid. Um, yeah. So I don't know what you guys do like with your skincare routine, uh, but it's just share pure, with the rest pure of the world. bloodlines. Yeah, There's probably. a lot of inbreeding. It's just, you know, they, they, whatever they're something. inbreeding, it's, it's awesome. They're doing <laughs> so, a great job. So then we wake up the next morning after the siren song and there's a maypole that they're all the maypole, which well, is hey there, this, uh, this pagan pole, right. That we've heard about before that. This and the teacher's all teaching the girls in the classroom. Like what does a maypole represent? What does a maypole represent? Chris? It's a phallic symbol. It's a phallic they symbol. Like, they all said in unison. Said it in unison. And you know, like apparently in, in this particular belief system, men are kind of the driving regenerative force, uh, in their religion. And the regenerative power of nature. Yeah. And they're kind of the driving force of that. Um, and the teacher says that's why, you know, only women are in school while boys are off playing with their maples. <laughs> I think there's something to that. There is. Yeah, it is. No, no, there's definitely something to it. It makes sense. Very interesting. You know, the teacher denies, then he finds the signature of the girl. Well, how he is Sergeant, and, you know, Sergeant B card is, walks in on this phallic very suspicious on this phallic conversation he is not pleased no this is he is not pleased he with this kind of teaching not and like he's like where schools. is where is jesus where is the bible where are we well, what is going on here what are you teaching these girls this is terrible did he miss all the chapters in the bible that are about sex oh there's a lot of them yeah yeah there, there's some there's some big ones uh they break it down they do it's, it's true yeah, read song of solomon sometime buddy Oof. um but he is not happy with the way Read that this teacher is teaching. Me. And he's also, so he's, he's convinced that Rowan Morrison, this girl that he's looking for was a student here. There's a, there's a desk that's empty right in the middle. He of the is going to find out whose desk that is. And basically wrestles the, 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 I don't know, the, the, the attendance book out of the teacher's hand and finds her name. So he is, Ha-ha. he has proven right. Rowan Morrison did exist. She did was a school was in school here. Solved again. Yeah. And did he pull the mask off the school teacher and it was actually Rowan? It was her all along. Uh -huh. She faked her own death. Ooh, could have been. Right. So he's told by the teacher that Rowan Morrison was died basically mm -hmm. and was buried in the, he called the churchyard and she said, well, we don't have churches here. So it's just whatever the graveyard. So he goes to the graveyard, sees a nursing mother holding her baby uh, while holding an egg and there's eggs everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we see this pagan cult concept, right? This is, this goes to our cult concepts, uh, fertility, right? Fertility is a big thing. Phallic symbol, very important. Phallic symbol, eggs, nursing mother. There's all this symbolic the propagation symbolism, of the right? community. It's all about, it's all about 
It's about life, though. But and and on this island, the Wickerman Island, right? We hear a lot about crops. Crops and fertility have always been closely connected in Egyptian culture, in in Mesopotamian culture, in all of these various. You know, when we look at ancient histories, fertility is tied to the soil as well as the womb and regrowth and you know regeneration are all uh, themes across that. Right. Um, isn't it at some point in this movie, doesn't he walk out on a bunch of people having group sex? Yeah, that was early when he left the pub. That's right. When he left the pub, he walks out and just, there's just people banging in the yard. It's highly just tons of people just banging outside. Well, yeah. Free, free Free sex and sex in general is, is a powerful cult motivator. You know, a lot of cults really drive that idea that men should sleep with as many women as possible. Um, you know, and like, (laughs) That's well, the women are getting something out of it too. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't not contributors. No, no, no. They were. They they really enjoyed their role as you know, kind of uh, the life bringers uh, to this community. Um, so it was really. It's just a very free sex, free love. Yeah, like fertility was a big was a, they was a big concept. Death like crazy. Like the concept. They don't say of the word death, death because it's all about regener. It's all about regeneration. Right. You don't about- die. You come back eventually. So that word doesn't exist. So we see the next day. He's he's ready to go talk to the leader of this little pagan cult. Right. What's his so name? We have a we have a we have a central in this in this particular one. We definitely have a central. Oh, absolutely. Charismatic figure that is in charge, and his name is Sword. Uh, Sword Lord. Summer, Summer Isle. Lord Summer Isle. Lord Summer Isle, which is played by Christopher Lee. Um, and Christopher Lee said this Brilliantly, was... Brilliantly, by the way. He said this was one of his absolute most favorite roles that he ever played. Um, and, and I also saw somewhere they did it for free, which is would be crazy too. But amazing, wonderful performance. Like really, really cool. So he goes to the castle. There's one castle on the island and Lord Summer Isle lives there. And they kept telling him, you're going to have to go talk to Lord Summer Isle about yeah. that. So finally he goes to Lord Summer Isle and we get a history of this people. Mm-hmm. You get a history of his grandfather who came to this island and, and basically adopted the folk religion and then saw success with, with, with the, the people and with the, the crops and they brought new, new fruit that had never been grown anywhere in that, region and it before. was very bountiful everything was bountiful and so they they continued to to con, you know keep this this religion basically this this new pagan kind of religion uh which was very different than and set apart from the scottish mm-hmm. uh you know church of scotland protestantism which i found out i i have a very strong connection to. you do yeah. uh 10 generations back we uh my family started the church of scotland one of the 12 ministers um, so they start talking about, about originally they start talking about the, the women that are dancing naked in the lawn. Yeah. Right. Cause there's, well, they're doing like <laughs> naked Tai Chi. Like that's great for them, but I literally would be covered in mosquito bites. Well, they don't have mosquitoes over there. I don't think it doesn't matter. I would still be covered. You'd in find mosquitoes. them anyway. Like they would come to me they would travel across the seas and be like, so there was a very time. pagan ritual going on out in the yard where there was, there was, there was like a, a, pregnant, a pregnant woman, and- right? So again, fertility, pregnant woman, but there was a circle of naked, naked young girls, um, and a fire in the middle and they were fire jumping and they were jumping over the fire and they were doing all of that kind of stuff. So, 
Sergeant Howie, Sergeant Vicard, was very upset by this. He did not like that. So he he's very rigid. He goes to to Lord Summer Isle, and the first thing he says was, "What? They're all naked out there. What's going on?" And Summer Isle says, "Well, naturally, it would be much too dangerous to jump through the fire with clothes on." <laughs> I love his quotes. My favorite one is, "No enlightened heathens here." I liked, "Sit down, please." Shocks are so much easier to handle with the knees bent. With the knees bent. I want to like get that tattooed on me. <laughs> like, so, so, so good. Shocks are easier with the knees bent. So basically they get, they get, he gets permission from Lord Summer Isle to exhume Rowan Morrison's body. Cause he's still not convinced. He's on the trail. Uh, that she is okay. So he exhumes the body and he finds, uh, in, in her casket, um, a hair, not like a human hair, but like a rabbit, hair. a rabbit hair, like a, yes, a yeah, hair, a rabbit hair. Um, and so he's not very happy about this. So he runs up to Lord Summer Isle's house and bursts in and the teachers there, uh, seductively hanging out with, with, yeah. with Lord Summer Isle and tosses the hair on the ground and was like, what the fuck is this? You know, I thought you told me that the girl and they're like, this is the girl. The girl is the hair. The hair is the girl. That's she, that's her reincarnation. That's her, you know, her, her, her spirit animal kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, he's not, he's not big on that. He doesn't think that's, that's a, a good answer. I don't like it. So this is all leading up to our May day celebration. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is the big, apparently this is the, this is apparently the big theme in, in these kind of movies is this ultimate like fertility sacrifice. It's giving of the harvest of, of what they were able to grow, you know, giving a portion of it in hopes that it will encourage the gods to uh, make it a profitable year next year. You know, it's like this, the celebration of all of the life uh, that they've been given, you know, since they were pagan in their beliefs, they everything had life, and so everything they were given gave them life, and and they would kind so of. So it's cool when you sacrifice your cow, a, a calf, and a and a and a lamb, and a. But if you need a little extra nudge, better throw a virgin in there. Yeah, gotta throw a virgin measure. in there. And you know what? You know what's even better than a young virgin? An older, an one. older virgin. Yeah, that's what we find super out. Super old, and he like clearly states that out. There's a hierarchy. So we see this, this, this in, filet mignon, this right amazing here. like parade, right? This May Day festival. He was gonna leave the island. He ends up coming back. There's all this like other stuff mixed in, but ultimately he ends up at the May Day festival. This outsider, and he steals the fool, who was the bartender, steals his costume so he can just mix in with everybody else to see what's going on. And they have this, all this crazy stuff go on this chop, chop, Very, uh, lots of chop, rituals. chop festival or the chop, chop uh, thing, head chop really, thing, which was, don't uh, play that game. Yeah. Don't play that game. Um, Christopher Lee in drag the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's leading the thing as a, as, as a woman mm-hmm. in drag, uh, which is fun. You know, Christopher Lee in drag is a good time. Um, and then Rowan shows up our missing girl. Oh, hey, look at you. She's the May Day sacrifice. And she tells him, please get me out of here. Like, please help me. And they go run through these caves and they come out the other side and they're they're He's trying to rescue her. And he realizes he's the bait. Yep. She did. She's the bait. She is he's the bait. The, and he, he he's got the sacrifice. her to follow it. Yeah. So all of this stuff has been planned. And 
pretty brilliant. And, and, you know, Sergeant B card is the, he's the, he's the sacrifice. Right. Cause they had to research it out, man. They had to find some dude who was like, you know, 30 yeah, they or really, more. They planned it. That was a virgin that they could. I don't know how they knew that. They figured it out. Do they, they did some like research. A, like a seventh sense. I don't know. They went and researched it apparently. Hmm. Um, but could they had, they had had failed crops the year before. So they knew that this year the sacrifice had to be, had to be good. Had to be the tits. Yeah. But not the tits. But not, but not the tits. But not the There's tits. a lot. Of, there was a lot of tits. There were so many tits. Yeah. Um, but they gave him a martyr's death. Yeah. Which is what they, you know, they went back and forth and, and, and Christopher Lee's like, it's time for you to meet your appointment with the wicker man. And ultimately they put and him the wicker man the chest is this, this, is this giant wicker burning man, man. burning man. man. Yeah. They should make a, oh man, have they ever done that? A burning man, like an actual wicker man. That would be a great burn uh, I don't know. for the last day of, of, of a burning man. I don't know, but, it, and it had like different compartments in it where different, things uh, different sacrifices were placed you know like fruits and vegetables and cows and then humans so this was not made up for the movie so uh this goes back to the 1670s yeah. uh well the the first reference we saw was an engraving called the wicker image um in britannia well the person who wrote about it was a guy named islet sams and they are not certain whether this was where this originated or not, or if it, if he did actually do the research and find this was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it was supposedly Druids and Celtic uh, people groups who would actually, and the, the image, the image from 1670s was exactly like the movie. Crazy. A giant wicker man with different compartments for livestock and for whatever, and a human sacrifice in the middle. Ooh. Um, so this was not based on just, imagination this was this was based on history which is kind of cool that's kind of crazy man yeah super creepy um i liked the way that at the end they really didn't pit the they didn't pit paganism and christianity in a way in which you felt like one one out over the other mm -mm. um because the sergeant really became more endearing towards the end and and was i felt like was very steadfast in his faith he was very steadfast. even to the end like like you know prayed and recited scripture and was very strong in martyrdom. And it was kind of the same. Oh, I dropped my glass. And it was kind of the same um, for the people group too, because they, they were doing the same thing in their rigidity. Like, well, you believe what you believe and we believe what we believe. Rigidly. They didn't discount his belief. They nope, just said, just like, they said, if, if what you say is true, then you're going to have a martyr's death and here yeah. you go. You know? And, and uh, I liked the ending. I thought it was a, it was a very, it's a very powerful movie. And by the time it, it gets to the end, it's a weird, fanciful kind of strange movie. It's but, a great length too. Like it's oh, a yeah, very it's like an comfortable hour and 20 length. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. So check out wicker man. Uh, we will talk more about it in the next section because there was a lot of comparisons between Wicker Man and Midsummer uh, by the horror which doesn't make community, sense. Um, which yeah, um, it's just but silly. Jaunty tunes are fantastic. Oh, jaunty tunes are great. There's a lot of great jaunty. Go tunes. check out the uh, the soundtrack. Good soundtrack. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, this all leads up to our ultimate pagan cult movie, which has been a recent one, which got a lot of press last year. I wrote a very long article about it. And we touched on it a couple uh, we times. We've touched on it multiple times this year. 
Um, but I felt like we needed to, to do a little more in depth. And, and also when it comes to this topic, it, it's really the the main choice, I think. Yeah. So uh, it's time for our feature presentation. Midsummer. And now our feature presentation. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, to I do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. School! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. So the... <laughs> the re-traumatizing of Midsummer. And were you re-traumatized the second time around? Did you not? See, oh my, no, you did not see me because I went up to play with the dog behind you out the door while watching the first 12 minutes and sobbed my eyes out silently in the kitchen. The first 12 minutes of this movie is still the most intense depiction of realistic grief that I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah. It is really, really, really intense to the point where I was almost panicky watching, like, yeah. like starting the movie because I knew what was coming after watching it. It doesn't the make it better that you know what it's coming. It, makes it doesn't it yeah. more intense. It's really brutal. I mean, um, so for those of you who haven't seen this movie, it was, uh, came out last year, midsummer, got a, a whole lot of publicity. Um, these Ari Aster movies who directed it, uh, they, they seem to have this, this magic touch to completely divide and confound the horror mm -hmm. community. 
Like the horror community just cannot, does not know what to do with these movies. Yeah, no. Um, which to me shows what a brilliant filmmaker he is mm-hmm. because uh, the, just the vitriol and the, and the, the love and the vitriol that goes back and forth between uh, the, between hereditary um, which came out, you know, last year or whatever, two years ago. Um, and this movie, like there's something to it. Oh, absolutely. You know, movies that divide people are good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, typically I keep looking at my hair. What? It's, it's, it's high, isn't it? It's super high. It's great. <laughs> I got Johnny a lot, Bravo. I got a lot of volume right now. Johnny Bravo hair right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, honestly, the first 12 minutes of this movie is just brutal. So we, 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 we're, we're introduced. Um, let me summarize it real quick. A couple travel to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown for its fabled midsummer festival. But what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly des- devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Mm-hmm. So there we have our pagan cult terminology used, which is actually the, the the terminology that's used by Ari Aster himself. So anybody who wants to, I had I had a I had a, a bit of a conversation, a fight online huh? a couple days ago. What you know? With a with a with a, a, I posted something about Midsummer and and I mentioned the term pagan cult, and she just went off on me about how it's not a cult; it's just a people group expressing their wonderful empathetic religion. And I had to go back to her and be like, but what about the people they lured in and killed and flayed in their chicken coop? And what about the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the sex that basically the, I mean, in my opinion, Christian was basically raped by the community. I mean, he was drugged and then, and then, you know, there was a lot of really fucked up things in this peaceful little mountain community that she was trying to say. So, so in my opinion, yes, this is a pagan cult. They have some very, very sinister and problematic things going on, even though it's all done in the light and very pretty and has a whole lot of, you know, pretty white people. Well, um, and their, their directives every 90 year for this midsummer festival, every 90 years it has to go on. Their directive is to find nine sacrifices right. and they have to be like kind of specific, you know? And so really the, the whole movie is kind of a, a test for the nine or for the people that were brought in, which there were seven people that were brought in, I think, or eight people that were brought in from the outside. I don't remember. I'm uh, thinking there was only, let's see, one, two, three, four. I'm not sure because there's, there's, there's only four, too. there was only four people from the outside that were sacrificed. Uh, plus, Plus homeboy. Right. So five. So five ultimately. Um, and there were four from their community that were sacrificed. Right. So, so that was nine. the nine. Okay. Um, explain to me the beginning though. Let's talk about the beginning. So <sighs> the, the beginning ambiance, talk about the ambiance. What is the, what is the feel when the first scene opens? It's, it's panic. It's winter. Know, like, no, it's not panic. It's winter. Well, yeah, it's winter. It's dark. It's snowing. It's cold. It's cold. It's very dark. That's the that's what we're seeing. We've seen right. in the first frame, which to me is fucking rad. Like this, the feel that you get in the beginning is is really really cool. And then what happens from there? Well, and then she, you kind of see this interaction um, via email, and you hear a voicemail um, coming in from Danny, the main character, kind of concerned about an email from her sister that she just received and now no one's responding. And we kind of look in to the bedroom where her parents are sleeping and 
everything seems okay at first. Like, you know, at first glance, everything seems normal. You know, they're just sleeping. Maybe they didn't hear the phone. Um, and then, then we kind of peel away from that um, and go to her experience of reaching out to Christian. Who's um, her boyfriend. So she's got a boyfriend named boyfriend. Christian. Danny um, is the girl. Christian is the, is the boyfriend. Yeah. And Christian we learn is, is getting, he's, he's burnt out of caretaking for her because she's doing so much caretaking for her sister and her family um, that he, he's burnt out and he, and they've been in a relationship for a while. I think they've been together for like three years, four years years. at this point. And then, you know, so he, he's He's out hanging with his buddies. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of distant and detached a little bit. Um, She calls kind of explains that she's worried, but then, then kind of backs off like, Oh, you know, like, never mind, Don't worry about it. Like, I don't, I don't want you to worry about it. You know, soothing him when really she's the one that needs soothing, which is um, part of, kind of this coercive um, coercive behavior pattern or, or interaction pattern that we see between the two of mm-hmm. them kind of like patting each other that it's okay, even though they would rather, you know, be somewhere else. So they need something else. They're kind of de- denying what they really need and want. Um, and then we get another call back from her after they hang up and she is wailing wailing like this actress. I don't know how she yeah, tapped Florence, into that. Florence Pugh or Pugue. I don't know how she tapped into that, but it, it's the most realistic, like it grief I've ever seen. It makes shiver yeah, the whole, through your whole body. It like, is haunting, haunting. You, you truly believe. And then, then it kind of pans to a shot of some firefighters and the firefighters are reaching into a car and there's two cars who's, uh, whose uh, engines have been on and the tailpipes are covered in um, in duct tape and there's hoses attached to them. And then we follow the hoses inside and we see the hoses have gone into bedrooms that were also sealed. And, you know, someone has filtered this air into the parents' room to, to kill them. Um, and so the parents are dead. So the, the, the original scene dead. we saw of the parents sleeping wasn't them sleeping. They, they no, were just, they, they were just dead. dead. And on second watch, you can tell they're dead. They're yeah. not breathing. Um, and then we kind of see an image down the hall of the sister who has literally duct taped the a gas hose mask. mask to her head. Yeah. And the email a gas is, mask with the hose. Yeah. yeah. And her email is right above her open still. And it just has all these messages from Danny from Danny, you know, really like just come on you know, come down from that. So you get the sensation. This is, this is something that she's wrestled with before with her sister. Maybe her sister was struggling with some mental illness um, that, you know, it just kind of has that breaking point sometimes where um, suicide kind of becomes the, the only tunnel that they see the way out of, you know, something activates that and it's almost like a survival response. So that's our foundation for Danny. Like that's Danny's, that's That's Danny's what we learn about her. And, and, and so we've got a relationship that's been going on for, for many years, but that they're both checked out of really. I mean, I think Danny knows that it's supposed, that's supposed to be ended because she talks to her friend before she finds out about her parents and her, and she's telling her friend, like, I don't blame him. I've literally leaned on him for I've done this a lot. All of this shit. And he's leaned on me for nothing. You know, he's probably already like checked out. What do I do? You know, getting advice from a friend. And then Christian with his buddies is like, you know, his buddies are like, dude, you are fucking done with this relationship. Just Just end it. Just end it. Stop being such a fucking pussy. 
and and end it, which really ultimately is what is what Christian probably like. He's just a wuss. Like he is, well, he has no like willpower to just end it the well, way we're he looking at, We're looking at a relationship with two very similar attachment styles. They're passive and passive aggressive um, and kind of a very anxious um, codependent um, entanglement, right? So he's very passive. He doesn't want to like hurt her. You know, we've all heard that conversation before. Like, oh, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. But, but really, you're just a pussy. But like, really, just, just be a man and just, step up and do what you got to do. It sucks. Yeah. It's going to suck no matter what. Um, so he doesn't want to do that. So he's kind of putting it off. And we notice that he um, also expresses he's putting off some other things like his, his thesis. thesis for his doctorate. And he he's just kind of very milk just milk. He no, doesn't want to make no decisions. Any decisions yeah. No decisions. You know? Um, very uh, uncertain. Um, and she is very wrapped up in caretaking of others um, and not really having a foundational sense of herself. Um, I don't honestly think we know anything about her except for that her her sister and her family killed herself. Do we know if she's in school? Do we know that no. she had a job? No, Do we know no that she drive, has nothing. No, like we don't, don't give us any information anything that about that. Her, her identity is wrapped up in her in, in relationships, her whether it's, whether it's family. her sister, her and her sister or her and her parents or her and her, her boyfriend. Right. There is no other identity given to her other than them, which is very indicative of sure. where she is at emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so these attachment styles are very complimentary or they're not complimentary, but they're very parallel mm -hmm. or, or similar. The and sister so, and the sister and the boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And so they, 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 yeah. Um, it doesn't go well. And, um, I, I've read a lot of things online of, of folks saying, you know, good for her. She broke out of this bad relationship. You know, she got out of these patterns and I really, it's a victory. It's a feminist victory because really she, she burned him exactly. and, and was able to like start a new, I really that wasn't really to the, urge them to look a little closer at, at that, uh, analysis because I'm wondering where that comes from, you know, because that's more of a you thing, not a, not, yeah. not, not a, what was actually going on in the well, movie. When thing. we look at his behavior, he, he doesn't gaslight her. He's not abusing her. You know, in fact, he's a pussy. In fact, she loses her entire family. So literally he's the only thing that she has left and he stays on board because he feels bad. Like he would be a douchebag just letting her off on her own, even though in retrospect, if, if he had just done that, she probably would have been better off, uh, like going through all of that grief on her own and, and, and seeing, finding a new part of her personality, seeing that she could get it through it on and her seeing own. that she could stand on her own as hard as it might've yeah. been. If she would have been able to. Right. Um, so he's not gaslighting. He's not abusing her. You know, he's, he's really not a terrible they guy. They brought he's, out a lot of that. Like a lot of people brought out like, Oh, he gaslighted her so much. And like, we went through the movie who, and we're like, there's no gaslighting in this do movie you know at what all. Gaslighting is gaslighting is, saying that you said something that you didn't say and making you feel crazy. Like, like you somehow, um, are not, um, consistent, you know, like, right. oh, you're just, you're, you're crazy. Have you heard yourself lately? You know, blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, so no, we see that with narcissists. We see that with psychopaths. We see that with sociopaths. They make us question our instincts and our feelings and our sanity. Which Christian was not a narcissist. You no. know, that, and that's the thing that's funny is like that, that analysis came he out and I'm like, out. he's not a narcissist. He's just kind of a shitty, he's just kind he's of a, a shitty, boyfriend. he's just a shitty boyfriend and, and, and a shitty, like he's just a pussy. He's just a really weak, weak, weak man. Well, he who, who, have who does a not have a sense. Either. Yeah. He, him, him and him and her, are actually very much parallel people in that sense. Yeah. They do not have a sense of self. They do not have a direction in life. They are not going. The only thing that they have holding them up is them is each other, Yeah. which they it's use that a relationship. Yeah. It's just very like, yes, yes. Thank you. Explain that. That's okay. a great way to put so it. Cause that is exactly what they are. So there is a difference between a relationships and H relationships and a H relationships. We tend to think of as more kind of a mature relationship, whereas a relationships are a very dependent relationship. So think of how an a, a capital a is shaped, you know, it's got this, this frame that looks like the frame of the house that gets burned down. Right. And oh yeah, and that's, interesting. An, that's interesting. And an a has a, has a bar between that, Right. So each person on each side of that a leaning against one another for one, one reason generally keeps them together. And they've got this mutual thing that kind of connects, them, connects them. And what, what happens when that is taken out? When that falls out, the one point that they're leaning on is just, it's so hard to balance on just that alone that somebody takes the brunt of the the other side's weight you know it always happens whereas in age relationships each side is standing independently of one another and they have some mutual things that join them in the middle just like a capital h does with that line in the middle but if you remove those things you still, still have standing. two individuals standing independently of one another right. um who can still decide to walk with one another or walk away it's not as as, um, dependent, it dependent. Yeah. It's not or as dependent, codependent. <laughs> or codependent. Um, so yeah, that's what we basically have here. We have this a relationship that's kind of balancing on this, this one tiny thread. Um, and that's the fact that even a year later, she's still grieving and he doesn't feel like he can, he can back out now. Right. So, so that's where we, we get this, this that's, we're at this point. He can't get out. She's still leaning on him as a, her only source of dependence. And he decides to go to Sweden. She finds out that he's going to do this trip. She's pissed off that he didn't tell her about it. Of course, he's, I'm sure in his mind is thinking, I'm going to break up with her. I'm going to get rid of this relationship. I need to get out of this. Uh, but he can't do it because because yeah. Christian is a giant pussy. And we have Don the pussy in kind the ritual. And we have, <laughs> we have Christian the pussy in uh, in Midsummer. Um Ultimately, though, he ends up bringing her along. Yeah. It's very self-centered, the way that they're both of behaving, course. you know? Um, you know? His self-behavior is, I don't want to be the douche that breaks up with her after that happens, you know? I don't want that to look bad on me, even though I'm totally checked out of the relationship. And she is, I don't want to seem needy, and I don't want to be alone, even though she's in a relationship where she is alone in the relationship. Like, they have no connection. They're not connected. She is alone in that relationship. So we end up in Sweden, right? Let's get to our, let's get to a little bit more of our pagan cult uh, stuff. We've talked, we've talked in the past about the the psychology of this. And I've written, like I said, I wrote a, a whole article on this um, on our website. 
that because I was just so enthralled with this movie and the and the psychological implications and especially relating to codependency, which Ari Aster talked uh, extensively about this as the director that that was really his his he mindset. He wrote it during he wrote it breakup. during a breakup, and it was it was really about uh, codependency and trading one codependent relationship for another, and and, and the cycles styles, the cycles and- of codependency. It wasn't really a bad guy versus a good guy or an abuse situation, or a, it was just a, a, a really, really honest depiction of, of how many, many, many relationships are, you know, this kind of really function in their dysfunction. Yeah. This dysfunctional kind of like leaning against each other that where the, where one person can't get out or doesn't know how to get out, but they just have to have, because they have nothing else, you know, to, to, to kind of stand on. Um, or they feel like if they left, the other person wouldn't have right, anything else. Right. Or this, this just weird sense of, of, uh, empathy or I don't even know what you want to call it. Responsibility. Um, so anyways, they end up in this, they met this guy named Pell. Pell lives in this commune, Swedish pagan community in the woods in Sweden, uh, isolated community. And he says, Hey, why don't you guys come with me? And so, uh, Christian and his buddies, his buddy, Chidi, <laughs> That's not his name in the movie. I don't think Mm-mm, that's no. his, that's his good place character. Yeah. Um, he is working on his dissertation and he's going to do it on the Harga community that Pell is from, which is this very like remote Swedish community that has their, their, this, all these weird rituals. So him and his buddy, Mark and Christian are going to go out and visit this community with Pell. Danny finds out about it. Decides she's going to tag along. Bada bing, bada boom. They end up doing mushrooms um, uh, and tripping balls uh, the first day they get there. Right. Yeah. Introduction to the community. Well, yeah. And I think that is to break down defenses um, and and kind of shift people's focus going into a new community like that. Kind of put them off guard. You know, tripping balls before you enter. It's kind of an interesting concept yeah and so they they the community is called uh are, are the the harga people and they are in halsingland uh in in sweden the harga people um the harga community uh we've got our 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 mark who's the annoying kid mm. um who was in uh, was it where the millers is that the movie where he's the son oh i don't know movie? i the, never saw that no more regrets or, um, or whatever anyways um I recognize him from the, that movie. Uh, then we have Chidi, who uh, Josh, I think is his name in the movie, um, uh, who is the dissertation guy. Mm-hmm. And then we have Mark. I'm sorry. Then we have um, uh, Christian mm-hmm. and we have Danny. And and then we find out that there is a few other people, outsiders that are there as well. Brought in by these recruiters. Brought in by these other people, people from within the community. Um, Which we learn are recruiters. recruiters. Yeah, they are recruiters um, to this Midsummer festival, right? That is only once every 90 years. Yeah. So it's a big fucking deal. And it goes on for nine days. That whole 90 years, nine days thing is a big, a big deal. And and that's actually a very accurate. Um, we found out we watched a thing with a Swedish uh uh guy today um talking about midsummer. Mm-hmm. And most of Ari Aster's stuff is very accurate. Um, so the stuff that he's including in this movie is actually, you know, pretty close to, to, uh, reality when it comes to some of these, some of these, these pagan, uh, groups or, or, you know, whatever you want to call them. Uh, 
people know, groups people groups that are out in the middle of nowhere in uh, in 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 Scandinavia. So uh Mark the annoying kid when he walks in says uh doesn't realize that they're at the place they're supposed to go and he says so we're stopping in Waco before we go to Pell's village foreshadowing which is foreshadowing um a lot of the the kind of cultic stuff uh going on in the community um so we're introduced to this community and it's very uh, in contrast to the beginning of the movie we have this winter dark snow cold trauma terrible events Unfeeling. right sweden once we get to sweden it is bright sunny summer uh, the, the, the people all wear white and they're these beautiful, and there's a lot of flowers and there's a lot of just, it's all done in the light, mm-hmm. um, which actually makes it, I think even more sinister interesting. and interesting as it goes along. Um, because all of this is done in, in such beautiful in in, in, in beauty. It's gore. It's gorgeous. Right. Um, so we, we, we find out that they're there for this midsummer festival. It's very elegant. There's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of pageantry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of, of ritual. Um, we have pagan symbolism kind of mixed in throughout and imagery. Uh, we see this one weird, weird, like mix of, of, of it's like a tapestries story, stories tapestry. um, where a girl's trimming her pubes, like literally like up close and dropping them into a pie. Um, and again, fertility though, yeah. fertility and, and this weird like kind of symbolism mixed throughout. Then they sit down, they're entered into the community. They're at a fancy feast and the old people start moaning. There's two old people that just start, start moaning and, and wailing, wailing and, and chanting. Yeah. Um, and we're, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, and then they get carried away by the community up to the cliffs. And you're like, huh? And what happens there, Chris? Oh gosh. Uh, well, the woman um, swan dives off. And she swan dives off the cliff and ends it. And and we learn that it, and, it's and because they're fantastic 72. fucking fucking uh, special effects. Yeah, what a really good special on effects. One, good yeah. face splatter. And then the dude decides to go feet first, and it's one of the worst things I have ever seen. Well, the old guy goes, "Yeah, feet first is a bad idea. I don't know why we'll you ever that. go feet first. Yep, he oh. went feet first. And what happened there, Chris? I just wait. I can tell you what happened there. Chris's compound fracture. Yeah, that's yep, what happened. That's what happened. Ugh. So, yeah, and, and then you know, a couple of the outsiders start freaking out. Uh, they bring a big mallet and like smash his head a few times. Like they double tap for sure to make sure like this old guy's dead. Um, right. They go in with a mallet, just yeah. like beating and his head. Th- and then we kind of learn that pretty, in this culture, and then we see the seventy-two-year-olds on a barbecue. Yeah. Oh, then we see them with their faces smashed in on an open fire. Yep. yep. Um, Seventy-two year olds roasting on an open fire. And then we learn about kind of the background, like you know, from this age to, to this age, you know, you're considered a child or whatever. And then from this age to this age, you're is the fall. Is, it's it's, it's the, spring, it's summer, winter, fall, fall, and winter. Yeah. Right? And um, and you the know, winter age is, seasons, is your set when you hit seventy-two. Like you, you, you commit you suicide. Kill yourself. You're done. Um, yeah. And it's you know, it, it's good for the community. 
Um, someone comes back and you know is named your name, and it, it's that very which is not thing which again. is not uh, which is actually accurate as well. Yeah. There was a lot of these these groups that did that. Suicide was a big part of of that part. That there was a there was a transition. There was a um, it was the cycle of life, yeah. life and death, right? Um, and choosing your death um, at the end and letting it be dignified before your body breaks down right. and you know stuff like that. There's so much, so, yeah. so much we can get into with this so movie. Rich. Um, and, and the pagan cult symbolism is just so rich. Um, but let's kind of fast forward to towards the end. Okay. So we've got Christian and Danny, their friends are missing, which we find out that uh, Chidi is like, he's in the garden. He's legs first in the garden, yeah. like growing in the garden. Not legs he's first, dead. legs out legs in out. the garden. Um, one of the other guys that were there from the outside, one of the other outsiders is splayed open in the chicken coop. Oh, not a good look. And the, the lungs are still breathing. The lungs are still Ooh. moving. It's really odd. Um, but there's, there's this kind of reminds us of the ritual a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, and then we find out that Mark, his other buddy's face was being worn by, by the weird little, the kind of deity of this, which um, inbred, and, he, inbred. And, and this, this thing is responsible for, um, kind of dictating or drawing the, the, basically the book in which they get their um, belief system from. And then it's interpreted by the elders in the community. And so these kind of drive the beliefs of it's called the Ruby radar, the, the beliefs, Ruby and, radar. Yeah, the beliefs and behaviors of this whole community is, is basically dictated, dictated by, by this, this one, one, this one thing. inbred child right. who becomes their deity in essence, or their priest. And they just keep doing that when that one dies. Right. We find out. Yeah. They keep inbreeding um, another inbred child, which is, and very this is, this up. is just what they do. And every 90 years, you know, they kind of do this cycle to ensure that, um, you know, their crops are fulfilled and it, like, so, so Danny then, um, is kind of in this, she's still in grief, grief, kind of dealing with her grief and dealing with her like depression, but she gets accepted by the women and, and they do this maypole dance, which is another, you know, ritual. Right. And they run around the maypole holding hands, all this stuff. And it's basically like, a like, a what do you want to like, a, like one of those, like one of those 1950s dance competitions where yeah. you have to keep dancing until you fall yeah. over. Um, and then the ones who, 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 you know, anybody who goes, there, out, anybody oh. goes their knees is out. And then if you keep just like yeah, dancing, then you win like. at the end and, of the day. And again, there's a wicker man similarity, but not the same. Right. It's not the same. Um, well, there's Maypole. There's Maypole and both. Maypole, yeah. You know. So, so let's talk about that real quick before we get further into it. Um, we'll probably have to have to. Uh, uh, well, we'll have to to jump back to it. So, so the Wicker Man thing is, there was tons of people after this movie that came out that just said, "This is just copying Wicker Man. This is just blah blah blah. Wicker Man's a better movie. This was stupid. This is just like Wicker Man." This movie is nothing like Wicker Man. There's similarities, but the only similarities are that they used this 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 pagan you know mythology. Some of these same similar sim symbols, right? right? Um, which are not uncommon but so symbols. Do a lot of movies. Yeah, I mean, symbols are just symbols. They're, these are actual. This is actual history. It's not like they they stole it from a movie right. that made it up. Yeah, Wicker Man didn't make up those symbols or make up the Maypole or make up midsummer festivals or May Day festivals or any of these concepts, right? Or the parades or no. There were some similarities. And I guarantee you that any of the similarities in midsummer that were there were homages. 
sure. to Wicker Man, which w- was very cool. But there's also like five other movies like Wicker Man that had similar yeah, sim- exactly. symbolism. This was not like a new thing. That kind of genre of horror movie has been around and, and these things have been done before. Right. Um, so that annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, Midsummer also was not a musical. <laughs> Did not no. have the jaunty tunes. It was not jaunty. There was no jaunty tunes. Uh, it did. It did. It had no. Very jaunt. upset. It if I was no told, jaunt. if I was told that Midsummer was like was like Wicker Man, and I did not get any songs about about the landlord's Man, daughter so. and all the boners they were getting from from watching her and what was between her legs, I would be very sad because it's a whole different whole different deal. Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, um, we got none of that. Although we did get pube pies. Yeah. Yeah, there was a pube pie. Yeah. Pube pies and uh and a really group room sex. A really gnarly group room sex where uh yeah, where, where you had old ladies pushing your butt right like pushing you right into her. Yeah. Like like giving her a little extra oomph. But again, that was that kind of like the community feels what you feel. You know, there is right. no individual experience. No individualism. It's yeah. it's group or nothing, you know. Yeah. It's it's very rigid in that regard. There is such a a interesting link and kind of a metaphorically between this community and like how people absorb their subcultures or absorb their people around them or their friend group or whatever, um, where they lose their identity. Um, and they lean on everything around them or whatever it is that they're into or whatever it is that they're attached to, mm-hmm. to kind of give them themselves value. Yeah. Does that well, make sense? Or just make themselves feel uh, comforted and in control too, because that was what Danny was kind of searching for from Christian was empathy and understanding and connection and control. And she found that ultimately in, in this group that um, had a shared belief of empathy, where if you cry, I cry, if you wail, I wail kind of you hurt, I hurt belief system. And for her in her grief, that was, immeasurably important to her. And I don't think she realized um, the impact that that had on her until the end where she was willing to literally sacrifice a human life in order to kind of continue to feel accepted and um, understood. So, you know, what's interesting about this too. I was, I was looking at, at Christian from kind of just the typical male perspective, right? So you have Christian who's, who is checked out of the relationship. He's confused and lost personally, he has nothing, you know, he's, he's kind of latched on to somebody else's idea for his thesis. Mm-hmm. He's got this whole, he really does not have anything to latch on to himself. And he's getting hit on in essence by this girl within the community. Super hard. Right. So she's given him her pubes and her pot and his pie and which. and which, you know, Hey, I mean, it might be your thing. Who knows? Uh, there's a fetish for you. Pube pie. But Christian is 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 lost. He's just as lost as Danny is, and he's just as confused, and he's just as as uh, I believe. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you maybe it's because I'm a male or whatever. But I feel like he's just as sympathetic of a character as Danny is in a lot of ways. You know, I, I see him as a very sympathetic character. Um, people have said that you have put him as like this enemy, as this as this this horrible person, but I feel like both of them are, are equally sympathetic. He's just not good for he her. Didn't have, she he, is didn't, not he didn't have the tragedy him. she had in yeah. the past, but, but they're just both really messed up people. And so when he's given the drugs at the end, so he's given kind of a dose of mushrooms or a dose of some sort of 
psychedelic of some kind. Um, and he's ushered into this cabin cabin to, to bang to mate one of the girls, right? It's a mate. Yeah. It's a mating ritual. Um, and surrounded by these, these naked villagers. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a very, it's a very odd scene. It's a very creepy scene. It's a very, you know, this, this is a great pagan cult scene, I guess, if you want to, Put it that way. They view it as an intimate thing, you Very, know, ensuring the propagation yeah, of their society. Yeah. They need outsider semen. Yeah. In essence. Um and, main. and he's and he's given like a boner mist. Yeah. Right? Like a boner, what do we call it? Boner steam? Boner steam. Boner steam. Right? This like steam that's like, I don't know, I don't know boner if it's like steam. liquid Viagra or by what it is. Roman. <laughs> by Roman. Um, and he's able to perform, but he's fucking freaked out like you see his eyeballs and he's like he's not into this this no. is just this is all f- weird around he's him. not liking any of it which is which is why i feel like this is you know if, if this was a woman and it was surrounded by men and it was in a similar situation people would call this a a, a rape scene right she was drugged she was coerced she was brought into this well, yeah into i this. mean he didn't and i feel like people didn't see that they, they just saw him cheating on her and i well, don't see i don't understand maybe that. because he agreed with it but there's some i argument. don't think he did though there's I, some I really argument don't. to be said there for the the drugging uh lowering inhibitions and maybe if he hadn't been drugged he wouldn't have made that same decision. there's there's always that like that like i think there was there was i think he was curious about this woman who was interested in him throughout the whole thing but there was never like I never saw him take that jump where mm. he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to seek this out. I'm going to be a jerk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was all very coerced. Um, and even afterwards, right, right afterwards, I mean, you see his just frantic, like freak out, like running <laughs> around naked, naked yeah. running around naked, you know, schlong flopping in the wind, like freaking out, like what, what in the world just happened? So I think there's, there's equal kind of equal sympathy with these two characters who are very just lost. You know, they're very, don't have, don't have, you know, a grasp on themselves, on their identity, on who they are. And they're very easily manipulated, which cults, right? Mm-hmm. This is a manipulation. And this cult knows how to manipulate these outsiders. Oh, yeah. They're very good at it. Um, so then we flash to Danny. She's become the May Queen. She finds out about Christian. She goes in and sees what he's doing. She has the saddest Monday face ever. Her Monday face is sad. She's mm. had a bad Monday. Bad case of the Mondays. Mm. Bad case um, of the Mondays. And does a primal screaming ritual with yeah. her with her fellow women in the tribe, right? Who mourn with her. Um and then we see the festival kind of coming to culmination where we find out about the sacrifices that they're necessary. Nine sacrifices in this house. And she's the May queen. So she gets the, she gets to decide who's the the final vote. The ninth sacrifice is either somebody from their community or Christian Christian. Who has been given a a neuroleptic. I think it's a a paralyzer, paralyzer. I think it's a neuroleptic. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah. And he's just totally paralyzed except for he can see everything that's going on and, and process it. Yeah. It's just terrifying. It's just fucking horrible. Um, And anybody who thinks that he deserved that, like I got a lot of that in people's responses, like, Oh, Christian got everything he deserved. Like, like he had like done something to make this all like, reasonable 
um, that his punishment was reasonable. Right. It's not which, like he was cheating on her or something like that. He just, he couldn't build up the courage to break it off when he knows that. Yeah. He and have. she couldn't either. I mean, yeah. she know, knew it wasn't right She's, either. Yeah. She said that in the beginning, like that this was just a bad relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and it was hard to get out of a bad codependent relationship you know, for the, for the both of them. So anyways, they, they ultimately, she decides that she's going to choose Christian. They sew him up in a bear suit. As you do, as you do. And put him inside of the temple. Teach the children how to do that. Um, and the temple was very similar to wicker man at the end. So there was a, there was a similar, it's a, again, people are bringing these comparisons because there was a couple of the things. Temple. There was a couple of things that, that were similar, but again, this is pagan ritual that is predates all of us by thousands right. of years. Um, but they put all of these sacrifices into the the temple. Two of them were alive. Three of them were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest were all dead, but they just stuck up, stuck trees and weird and fruit inside their bellies. They stuffed them, stuffed them, with them things. Yeah, and yeah. then lit the place on fire. And we end with Danny just smiling and it all, which is super disturbing because we, the we, ending is actually very disturbing. We kind of start with like, this unfathomable, fathomable thing. And we end with like this other unfathomable thing. Like, but you know, what's crazy to me. Like people saw that smile at the end is like this crazy victory that she had, which just that to me, like that says more, uh, sorry, people that says more about you than it does about the movie. In my opinion, (laughs) because there's something wrong with that. Like, it's not a good thing to light your, your soon to be ex on fire and put him in a house. You know, like that's not, maybe if he was like ripping her to shreds every night and beating her up and doing, and he wasn't manipulating her men, like psychologically, like, like, like like we've heard people say like, Oh, he's gaslighting her or he's not gaslighting. They don't know what gaslighting is. Um, but yeah, he was just so passive and, um, he was just a weak man. He's a weak person. A weak person. Very weak. Yeah. It, and I think that is a reason why he kind of got chosen to be put in that bear suit. He was like this shell of a of a courageous thing, not a courageous thing in itself. So what did Danny accomplish in that end scene? She thinks that she she took her power back from everything that has made her feel powerless in her life, all the grief and all the loss. She feels like finally... I, I am understood and I am, I am powerful. I have some sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, community, not community, not control. Um, but, um, elevated sense of self. Like, uh, like I, I am important, you know, I have more power than you, you know, don't, you don't get to do that or whatever. Do you think that's what she actually accomplished? No. So what did she accomplish? What do you think? What do you think actually happened in that last scene? Did she, did she trade a relationship with Christian for a better relationship? Well, she just, she just traded one thing for another, which she traded to the cult because they were showing empathy, which is the one thing that she never got from Christian was like just un, un, but I disagree with that. Asking empathy. Do you don't think Christian gave her empathy? I All the grieving scenes where he's holding her and he's cradling her while she's weeping. And that's not empathy. That's understanding. But I think there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Oh, okay. Okay. He showed sympathy. They showed uh, uh, an enormous an actual, amount. Like, like I'm going to carry your a grief visceral with, reaction. with me. So right? That was the, that was the, for instance, sympathy is that first 12 minutes going, Oh man, that's terrible. Right? Like how awful, how heartbreaking empathy is sobbing your fucking eyes out because you 
you can almost feel what those somebody people else's would be feeling feelings. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, and the way that they primal scream, the way that they integrate themselves into each other's lives and you're, you're really not a, a separate individual. They experience all the same agony that you experience. And that's very powerful, especially when you have felt like no one has understood you or, or you've had to like kind of shield shield your grief as well because she was always shielding it um and trying trying to hold herself together um because she didn't want to be a pain in the ass you know she didn't want to be that girlfriend um so you know i feel like she thinks she accomplished this sense of control and and um this kind of anger that that overcame her that feels more powerful than than the self-pity that she was feeling before um, and when that overtakes her, she does this thing that honestly, I don't think normally she would do, right? She wouldn't normally do that. That seems, she seems like a caretaker, you know, she's not going to sew somebody up in a bot in, in a body bag, you know? So a bear body, ba- a, bear a, bear bag, body bear, a bear bag, bear bag. Um, so yeah, it turns into a bear body bag. Yeah. I, I think there's just, there's a lot there that just showcases that her anxious attachment style got really activated with this group they they really kind of soothed that but that's not necessarily a good thing was it a codependent relationship that she adopted again another another relationship similar to the one she had with christian but just in the in community it had definitely definitely some of the same characteristics you know losing oneself in um, the other person or thing um total devotion denying one's emotions you know just again it's an a relationship right not an h relationship right so the harga community for her harga on one side her on the other in an a relationship not Mm -hmm. in an h relationship right so she didn't really gain and that thing any sort of that thing that binds them together is the right now the fact that she she feels empowered by them right, right? but how long is that going to last for her we don't know yeah part 2 part 2 midsummer part 2 oh no <laughs> please no so uh midsummer probably i mean as far as pagan cult films go it's pretty up there it's a pretty good one i think they did a pretty damn good job um Watch Wicker Man and then watch Midsummer, and you tell me those are the same movies. Yeah. Good Lord. I'm ready for your argument. Change my mind. The only way you could possibly have that argument is if you literally have just the most superficial views of movies that you possibly can, where it's like, well, they got a maple and they got a maple and they got a fire at the end and they got a fire at the end and they got, uh, you know, rituals and they got, I mean, like literally like that's the only way that you, they got naked girls dancing in a circle. They got naked. I mean, that's the only way you could possibly make a connection between those movies is that they have those similar characteristics. Yeah. But other than that, fucking not even close. Nope. Uh, I really liked the, 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 the song that they ended the movie with was a song by the Walker brothers. who was a band from the sixties and seventies uh, called the sun ain't, ain't gonna rise anymore. I'm sorry. The sun ain't going to shine anymore. Um, and it, it, there's a lyric. The second uh, verse of this song says emptiness is the place you're in. There's nothing to lose but no more to win. Mm-hmm. The sun ain't going to shine anymore. The moon ain't going to rise in the sky. The tears are always clouding your eyes when you're without love. I thought that was really poignant Super and very deep. specifically picked Oh yeah, to end credits uh, in that movie. So um, we, as you can tell, we like this movie as far as uh, it's a really, really interesting deep, deep dive. Um, so we recommend Midsummer. 
Uh, next episode, we're going to to talk about uh, satanic cults. Ooh. And it'll be uh, good and fun, talking about the devil. Running with the devil. The devil. Uh, so until then. Stay afraid. Stay very afraid. Much has been said of the strumpets of yore, of wenches and bawdy house queens by the score, but I sing of a baggage that we all adore, the landlord's daughter. Oh, her lips are as roses, her wine is a treat. Her whiskey is good and her figure is neat. And while she is serving her bitter, she's sweet. The landlord's daughter, you'll never love another. Although she's not the kind of girl to take home to your mother. It is lively and strong to the taste. She's brewed with discretion and never with haste. You can harbor your like if you swear not to waste the landlord's daughter. And when her name is mentioned, the parts of every gentleman do stand up at attention. Now there's Jane of the Blossom and all of the crown, pretty Kate of the Garter and Sardown in town. But Dolly, who keeps her red heart of renown, but I'll take the landlord's daughter. Oh, nothing can be like so, as does the path that lies between her left toe and her right toe. Thank you.